is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouths. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. November 30th. Another show of the Sports Loudmouth. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our website. We have all promoted shows throughout the country, all over the world, as we have a Buffalo a Buffalo Bills show, a New York Jets show. We have all different shows from Cincinnati to Florida to L.A., all shows around the country. So definitely tune in and listen to all our shows around the country. Speedy, what's up, man? I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving that is listening. I certainly stuffed myself with over eight different dishes. Stuff. And, and uh Three different types of pie. I, five different types of pie. Three different types of pie I ate. Uh, my grandparents, my uncle came over, and all my brothers. We did it at my house in Connecticut. And uh, did it in, the, in our family room, our biggest room for the first time. And had a lot of decorations. And then we shifted right to Christmas. Got our Christmas tree on Friday. It was actually the fastest we ever got it during, uh, that afternoon. Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. It was a, it was a little uh, not... It was a little crooked in comparison to some of our other ones, but we made it work. Don't you like crooked trees? We made it work. A lot of the ornaments are up already. Uh, we don't have anything on the top yet, but... Was it like the tree from the Grinch? Yes. Kind oh, of. that's nice. But it's tall. It was a tall one, but it, yeah, kind of tippy, like where they put it back in place. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Oh, anyways, we have a great show lined up for you guys. At 7.30, we'll be talking to uh, Laura and Rick Fricella from Saturday night's Hope event at SUNY Purchase. We're going to get into their event, a fantastic event. Uh, they're raising for so many different opportunities, and, and I, I, I definitely wanted to get them on the show. We're going to talk a little bit about their event and a little bit about uh, you know everything that's going on in their lives uh, with, with everything that uh, they've been doing. Um, at 8 o'clock, we'll be talking to USA Today college football and basketball national columnist Dan Wolkin. He'll be joining us. Uh, we're going to get into the Jets. Yes, everybody's been waiting for us to get into the New York Jets as the Jets absolutely blew out the Chicago Bears on Sunday, 31-10, to as Mike White returns behind the helm. Uh, we will get into the New York Jets. Odell Beckham removed from his flight following a medical issue where he appeared unconscious. So that's very interesting. Uh, Matt LaFleur says he wouldn't rule out shutting Aaron Rodgers down following the oblique and thumb injury. So uh, is Aaron Rodgers coming back this year uh, with with all the injuries that he had against the Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, the Yankees offer Aaron Judge an eight-year, $300 million contract. Uh, what does Aaron Judge do now? Does he take 
the contract for the Yankees, or does he hold and see what San Francisco or some other team offers him? Maybe $400 million. We'll see what happens. Uh, Ken Rosenthal reports that the Mets are now favorites to bring back Jacob DeGrom. I am not surprised about that, by, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I've been saying that forever, that Jacob DeGrom will be going back to the New York Mets. And NFL Week 12 a recap. So let's get into it, because I know everybody's sitting still and waiting for my thoughts on the whole Zach Wilson saga after Sunday's game against the Chicago Bears. Going into the game... We all knew that Josh, I'm sorry, Zach Wilson, I almost said Josh Wilson, but that Zach Wilson was not going to be playing. We also know that Zach Wilson, after that, I guess, speech after the game against the Patriots, his his thoughts of the game against the New England Patriots, wasn't something that a Jet fan would buy from a starting quarterback from this organization. Not taking responsibility. Not speaking for himself. But speaking for the team. That really made the Jet fans and some of the Jet players upset. And going into the week where they were getting ready for the Chicago Bears, and Robert Sala decided to start Mike White over Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson took responsibility, spoke to the press, and and said that he has to be more of a leader. He has to speak out as a leader and not sit back and point his fingers at any other player on the team. And you see... Obviously, the personality of Zach Wilson to a lot of New York Jet fans is not likable. He comes from BYU, born and raised in Utah, a small state, small city, and then getting drafted to the New York Jets, a New York organization, a New York team. You knew, and he knew, That he had to be as press-like as he could when he got drafted. And we sit here today and we could go on the, we're going to get into the game. We're going to go in the ins and the outs of the game. And what made Mike White look better in that game than Zach Wilson looked the whole season. And that had a lot to do with the Chicago Bears. Because the Chicago Bears are not a good defensive team. They don't have Quinn there anymore. They don't have Roquin Smith there anymore. This is a different defense. But going into this game, Mike White was the talk of the town. And you sit here and we we could go back and forth about the New York Jets and how good their defense was against the Chicago Bears, how good their defense has been against every single opponent really all season long in the NFL, ranked in the top 10 in almost every defensive statistic. We could speak about that. But that's not really the story here. 
The story is Mike White showed up on Sunday, put up three touchdowns and over 300 yards, something that Zach Wilson didn't do really all season. And when he did throw 300 yards, he threw three picks against the New England Patriots a couple of weeks ago. Now, again, I do not believe the Chicago Bears are a good team. I do not believe that going into the game they had any chance of winning because Justin Fields did not play. But what we saw on Sunday was a completely different Jets team. A Jets team that wanted to play for their quarterback. That wanted to win for their quarterback. Over the last couple of weeks... I'm sorry, and I I am a Zach Wilson supporter. Always was. And we could go back before Zach Wilson was drafted. And a lot of people on social media attacked me throughout the weekend because I have spoke up and really stood up for Zach Wilson. But let's be honest right now. I did not want Zach Wilson when he was drafted. Speedy, you know who I wanted. I wanted Justin Fields. Now, I, I like I like what I've seen in certain aspects of his game. I think Zach Wilson could be a quality quarterback in this league. I do. I think he has the arm strength. I think he can scramble. I think he could step into the pocket and make throws that other quarterbacks can't make. But let's be honest. What we have seen in his first year and a half of football is not really no growth. He played better in his rookie year than he has in his second year. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is very scary. And I'm not evaluating, and I'm reading Carl and what he says. I'm not evaluating what Mike White did in, in the game against Chicago. I'm not. I'm not saying, but Chicago is a professional football team, are they not? They are. They play in the NFL. And they've won three games this year. It's not like they're they're undefeated and they're that horrible. Going into MetLife, it was raining. It was pouring. It was wet. And when they needed to make a play, Mike White made every single throw. He made every single throw. And he made it look easy. Again, Not against a top-end defense. And I'm going to say that again. It wasn't the elite defensive teams that they played on Sunday. They played the Chicago Bears. But I will sit here today and tell you this. If Mike White plays like that for the rest of the season, Jet fans will not see Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback of this team. The numbers show you why Zach Wilson shouldn't be the starting quarterback in the NFL right now. He shouldn't be the starting quarterback on the New York Jets. Passing productivity right now. Passing yards ranked 32nd in the NFL. Air yards, 1,497. Ranked 31st in the league. Money throws, 
which they call, you know, big throws. Seven throws, ranked 31st in the league. Pressured throws, 43, ranked 26th in the league. Danger plays, 15, ranked 27th in the league. Passing touchdowns, 4, 2.1% rate, ranked 35th in the NFL. His efficiency in yards per attempt, 24th. Adjusted yards per attempt, 5.5, 32nd. When you look at these efficiency numbers, these are not starting quarterback numbers in the NFL. And you sit back and I'm not arguing, I'm not throwing Zach Wilson under the bus. I think Zach Wilson deserves an opportunity to play again this year. The Jets need to figure out if he is the starting quarterback of this team for the future. If they need to go after a Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason, or a Derek Carr, or a veteran quarterback. Because to me, if if this quarterback doesn't work out, Joe Douglas needs to sit back and, and really decide, hey, I'm not really good at drafting quarterbacks. This organization is not good at drafting quarterbacks. Maybe we should bring in a, a veteran quarterback that has the experience of maybe not winning a Super Bowl, but almost getting there. Or a playoff type of quarterback that you need to add to a talented team like this, a talented young team that needs a talented young team around them to win a Super Bowl. Right now, this team, this organization, I believe they're not ready to win the Super Bowl this year. But again, the Bengals last year were not ready to win the Super Bowl last year. Remember, the year before, they only won four games. Four. They were one of the worst teams in the league. The year after, after the torn ACL and MCL of Joe Burrow, he comes back and he takes them all the way to the Super Bowl. Yes, he had a rookie like Jamar Chase, but so do the Jets. They have Garrett Wilson. They have weapons. They have a better offensive line than the Bengals did last year. Their defense is just as good as the Bengals' defense was the year before. So why couldn't they win? And the answer is, they don't have Joe Burrow. They don't have an elite quarterback. They don't have a guy that you can depend on his arm when need be in two, two, three, four minutes of the game is left, and they need a quarterback to make a play. I don't know if they have that guy right now. Joe Flacco is like 80 years old. Mike White has really been a backup since since he was drafted. And I think I think it was the Cowboys that drafted yep, him. 2018. He was a fifth-round pick of the Cowboys, and he was stuck on their practice squad forever until the Jets signed him two years ago. And Zach Wilson, who was the number two pick two years ago, let's be honest, he hasn't cut it. He hasn't cut it. And he deserves to sit on the bench right now. Does he deserve to sit on the bench the whole season? I don't think so. And if... Let's say Mike White loses back-to-back games against Minnesota and Buffalo being away. You probably will see Zach Wilson again. But right now, you have to give Mike White a chance. 
Mike White is capable of making every single throw. We saw that on Sunday. Yes, again, it's the Chicago Bears. But Mike White can make every single throw. And we could go back and forth on what Mike White did well in the game and what he didn't do well in the game. 22 for 28. 315 yards. Three touchdowns. There was only two quarterbacks this past week that threw more yards and had a passing rating just as good as Mike White did. Which, by the way, I think is it was 143 or something like that. His quarterback rating. How many quarterbacks, honestly, in a, in, a, in three games, four game span, has over a hundred quarterback, hundred percent quarterback rating? Not many this year, that's for sure. I'm talking about in the last two years. He's played f- what is it? Four games. Yep. Four games. His quarterback rating is over a hundred percent. A hundred percent. How many quarterbacks in the league have done that? Yeah, and again, you're all dealing with the Bengals, too, which he had the 415-yard game and four touchdowns, too, so that's even better. There's two quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Those two quarterbacks. Now, I'm not saying Mike White is Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes. I don't believe that, and I'm not going to sit here, and I don't want to hear from the Jet fans thinking that Mike White is the next Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. He's not. But this team that they have this year, is much better than the Jets team last year. He has a lot more weapons, running-wise and throwing-wise. He's Last year, he didn't have the tight ends they have this year in Conklin and Usama. And you look at what they've ha- they have as their wide receivers, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, Davis, and of course, the great Garrett Wilson. They have weapons all over the field. He doesn't have to work hard. He doesn't have to think who he needs to throw to like he did last year. He has guys that can actually run routes and catch the ball. And you saw that on Sunday. Let's go into it. Let's look at the receivers that caught the ball. Garrett Wilson, five receptions, 95 yards, two touchdowns. Elijah Moore, finally, two receptions, 64 yards, one touchdown. Tyler Conklin, three receptions, 50 yards. Zanovan or Bam Knight, three receptions, 34 yards. Usama, three receptions, 17 yards. Ty Johnson, one reception, 16 yards. Michael Carter, two receptions, 15 yards. We could go up and down the roster Every single one of their wide receivers and offensive weapons caught the ball. If you look at Zach Wilson's numbers throughout the last couple of weeks, it was really Garrett Wilson, and that's it. Maybe Tyler Conklin. Nobody else caught the ball. And that's what's scary about this. He's not reading. He's not reading his reads. He's not seeing the field. That we expected him to take that next step like he did last year in the second half of the season. We have not seen the growth of Zach Wilson in the last couple of weeks. And now you're also looking at a case, too, where if 
Zach Wilson has trouble spreading the ball around, too. He's not going to be able to evolve his game. Mike White, we know, can spread the ball around. You just did the distribution. Garrett Wilson, the star receiver, at 95 yards and two touchdowns, but it's 5-2-3-3-3. That's a lot of good spreading the ball around, too. And you were talking about some of the other accuracy rankings, too, that uh, Mike White has. He's already in the top 15 in some of them already just playing one game. Now, granted, small sample size, understandable. But Zach Wilson, in a lot of his advanced numbers here, uh, you met, you read some of them earlier. He's in the top bottom 30. Like, he's not even in the top 30 for a lot of them, too. He's below some backup quarterbacks. And I'm not taking shots at Zach Wilson. I have I have stuck up for Zach Wilson all season long. Do I think he's the quarterback of the future for the Jets? I don't know. Okay? More than likely, as of right now, he probably isn't. He probably isn't. But we can't make that decision yet. That is Joe Douglas and Robert Sala's decision at the end of the season. And right now, it doesn't look good. I've read a bunch of stories, guys. A bunch of stories. A bunch of writers in the last couple of weeks. uh, Last couple of days, I'm sorry. That says that he's lost the locker room. That it's become more of a panic for Zach Wilson. You saw him on the sidelines in that game against Chicago on Sunday. He looked like a, he looked like a, a man on I don't know what he was he looked like he was drowning in the water. That's what he looked like. Everybody else was getting involved. Joe Flacco, Mike White, all the quarterbacks on the sideline. Streffler. Yep. They were all talking to one another, looking at their iPads on the sidelines, and all you see Zach Wilson with his his face and a sobbing face with his hood on. You could see that he lost the team. It looked like he was staring into the middle of nowhere. He looked as disinterested as anything. And that's a big problem when you're looking at somebody that you want to be a leader, too. What he said does not help last week either. And that was the thing that I thought really did it for him. I didn't think he was going to get benched before that. But now, obviously, it seems to be a lot. But again, if you're not enhancing the value around him with these other skill players, because they are very good skill players, it's going to be very hard. It, it hurts. It hurts. as If you're a Jet fan and you're looking at this... I don't know how any Jet fan would be happy that Zach Wilson is a failure. No Jet fan should be happy that we're watching this quarterback, another quarterback, a quarterback that was drafted in the top five. We have two of, we had two of them in the last five years drafted in the top five, and both of them have failed for the New York Jets. Sam Darnold, thanks to Adam Gase, and now Zach Wilson, who looks like he's a failure. You have two quarterbacks that we believe were the future of this organization for the next 10 to 12 years, and they both failed. What does that tell you about quarterbacks that have come out of different schools and come to the New York Jets? They have failed. We have never found a half-decent quarterback. Everybody keeps saying Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez was was brought to this team built around a top defense. By a defensive-minded coach. Mark Sanchez didn't have to do a lot on the New York Jets when he went to two AFC title games. Yeah, he had to make throws. And yes, he won four away games. He's one of very few quarterbacks in NFL history that's won four away games in the playoffs. I am not negative about what I see Zach Wilson to be. I don't think Zach Wilson is a bad quarterback. Maybe he's just on the wrong team. Maybe he just doesn't fit in this offense. 
Maybe Mike LaFleur is just a terrible offensive coordinator. Yeah. I still have my reservations about him. I'm not saying he did great either in that game, even though Mike White had a great game, but still. Mike White has been in the league for about seven years. I think he, he came to league at 22. He's 27. Yeah. So six years. He's been in a league for almost six years. So he understands the speed of the game. The game has slowed down for him already. He sees the game. He, he, his checkpoints. He throws to his checkpoints when he has nothing to throw to. We've been waiting for Zach Wilson to do that all season long. Mm -hmm. Most of his missed passes are in the short passing game, which is very not good for a young quarterback. And we talk about his big arm. We talk about his play extension ability. But the biggest thing in today's game is accuracy. Because of all the running backs and receivers that can create for themselves, get yards after the catch, especially in that system, you need to be able to do that. Mike White can do that. Zach Wilson had trouble doing that. Uh, Shout out to Tabu Calderon in the comments section. He says stick with White. So what if White throws one or two interceptions? There are plenty of starters that there are three You keep playing them. You you, You have to keep playing. Minnesota is not a team that intercepts the ball a lot. Their secondary is odd. They have a bunch of old guys in Peterson. This is not a great secondary, Minnesota. This isn't the New England Patriots. This isn't the Buffalo Bills. It's not that kind of defense. And they lost both their rookies now for the season. Booth just got hurt for the season. They've lost Lewis Seen for the whole year, too. And their offensive line, even though they have a pretty good interior offensive line, has made a lot of mistakes in the last couple of weeks, especially against the Cowboys. Okay? So... Looking at both of these teams, the Buffalo Bills and Minnesota coming up for the New York Jets, these are games that can absolutely be won by the New York Jets. Absolutely. Buffalo has already been beaten by the Jets. Obviously not in Buffalo, but the last couple of weeks, is this the, the Buffalo Bills team we saw in the first four weeks of the season? It, it isn't. And Josh Allen isn't 100%. Thanks to the Jets and Huff. In the first game, the first meeting that they met in the fourth quarter with about one minute and 30 seconds left of the game. Uh, Tabu also says, if they stay with White all season, it would be cool. Wilson could hit the pad and start calling the plays and start working his ass off to show his teammates that he's supporting them. Uh, Carl says, what made Mike White better is a bigger, miserable Bears defense. Uh, Tabu says, Rex, uh, Big Rex said it all. Wilson couldn't handle the Big Apple. He's still a young boy. Rex he needs to be too grew up and don't be a little punk. Uh, Carl says, it would be, told you it would be a get-right game for the Jets. Uh, Tabu also says, yeah, but remember it was even week two. The backups going against each other, and the Jets still won. You could say all you want about the Bears' defense, but we played against a backup left tackle, backup right guard. We had a restricted free agent running back from camp, backup defensive tackles. Nobody said, first of all, nobody thought that the Jets played a very good team in the Chicago Bears, including yours truly. I did not think that the Chicago Bears were any good, and I thought being that Justin Fields was not playing in the game, I didn't think they had a chance in the game. And I thought, I knew Mike White was going to throw over 300 yards, and he was going to throw a couple of touchdowns. Because the Bears' secondary, let's be honest, is not that good. And Eddie Jackson, who's their best safety, got injured in that game. Too. Yeah, in the first quarter. Yeah. So, I, I mean, going into the game, I thought that the Jets were easily the better team. And this was a winnable game, a much winnable game for the Jets to come back and, and show them, show the, you know, the NFL that they could play defense and they could really be a dominant force at the line of scrimmage. Now, again, it's the Bears. We have to see them do it against Minnesota. Minnesota in Minnesota. That is going to be the real breaking point of what this team is. If they can beat the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota on Sunday with Mike White under the helm, 
I think the Jets pretty much, as I've told you, they're going to stick with Mike White for the rest of the season. Win or lose. Tyler also says, I'm so glad we didn't go with old man Flacco Jesus. By the time we would have had to bring a respirator for him, he has to go soon. Uh, Josh also mentioned Zach Wilson is Bo Callahan from draft day. Actually, ironically, we just watched that. So, <laughs> funny enough. Well, we don't know what Bo Callahan was going to be in draft day. Yeah, no, yeah, they never did a sequel, but we'll never we know. We don't know what he was going to be. They, they, a lot of teams decided to pass up on him because uh, he, some of his teammates didn't show up to his party. That's right. Uh, just, I mean, come on. Josh also says Zach looked like a man on his own island. Yeah, that's where we're, kind of what we were saying. Uh, Tabu says we have to stay with youth. Jesus, even Matt Ryan can outrun Flacco. Uh, Josh says that's a no. And I'm including Errol the call me names Mr. Negative in this. He says over under the amount of times Josh gets called Mr. Negative in the interview that we're going to have in a couple of minutes. I'm not negative at all about the Jets. As a matter of fact, I, I picked the Jets to win for the last couple of weeks. I, I've... Actually stuck with the Jets week in and week out when everybody has given up on them. Mm-hmm. I have not gave, given up on the New York Jets. And I still think they're a playoff team. Do I think they're winning the Super Bowl this year with Mike White or Joe Flacco or even Zach Wilson? They're not. But if they're matched up well like the Bengals were last year in the playoffs, who knows what could happen? And Mike White can make every single throw. If they can protect him, George Fogg comes back and he's 100% healthy. And that... That secondary for the New York Jets is still as dominant as it was in the first half, which it seems like they are. And they are as dominant as we we believe they were going to be with DJ Reed and obviously Sauce Gardner and Michael Carter. Yeah, I think they could compete against any team in the NFL because they have the defense. They could get at you in their front seven. They only have to rush four. And they can play man-to-man defense, which they've done week in and week out. And still teams can't, can't figure out that defense. Before we go to break, uh, Tabu also says, I used to love Kenny O and Chad Pennington. He had a good arm. Uh, Josh says, I miss Chad Pennington, but Chad Pennington, he had two shoulder surgeries when he played for the Jets. He was never going to be, he was never going to be the quarterback that the Jets thought he was going to be when they drafted him for Marshall. The reason why is because when they drafted him, he had shoulder surgery. And then a couple of years in, he had another shoulder surgery. And then a couple of years in, before he was, he went to Miami, he had a couple of uh, shoulder surgeries. Right. Uh, Josh also says, trying to figure out how LaFleur works with Josh Johnson last year, but the one guy he can't work with is Zach. Essentially, every quarterback LaFleur has worked with has had success except for Zach. Uh, Richard Todd wasn't horrible. Tabu says he had a horrible team all around. And Josh also says... O'Brien was a good quarterback, too. Yeah, uh, he mentioned O'Brien. That was the first thing he said. And then uh, Josh also says, don't forget Minnesota played last Thursday, so more time and play Buffalo next Sunday as they play Thursday this week, too. Next two weeks, opponents get longer breaks. When I, when I sit here today, and we're going to get our guests on in just a few moments, when I sit here today and, and I try to go it, the, it, look at the ins and the outs of that game against Chicago, we don't know who the Jets are yet. We still don't know. And, and, and there's so many answers that the Jets have to answer on Sunday, this Sunday, against the Minnesota Vikings. And that is, they, they have beaten a good team with a good quarterback in, obviously, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They started to set that trend, and then Buffalo started to lose. They have to go into Minnesota and beat a very good home team with a very loud fan base in Minnesota. If they can do that, and they can put pressure on Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is not good under pressure. We have seen him in the big game. We've seen him in big games. He's made a lot of mistakes when you could put pressure up the middle on him in the gaps. If the Jets could do that on Sunday, 
I believe the Jets are the better team. Matched up very well against the Vikings. Jefferson versus Sauce. DJ Reed against Thielen. Wherever they put Jefferson in the middle, in the slot, wherever they put him on the outside, they can stop Jefferson. They can contain Jefferson. Ask the Philadelphia, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles a couple of weeks ago when they beat the Minnesota Vikings. They put Darius Slay on him the whole game. They stuck him. And if the Jets could do it, Darius Slay is not the same size as Sauce Garner. He doesn't have the length. And and he does have the ability. Darius Slay is one of the best corners in the league when healthy. Sauce Garner has been one of the top three three corners in the league. So if they stick Sauce Garner all game against Jefferson, and they'll probably move Jefferson around the field all game because they want to keep him away from Sauce. But if they can contain Jefferson, they will absolutely beat the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. When we come back, we'll be talking to Saturday Night of Hope event at SUNY Purchase, Rick and Laura Franchella here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight is the number you're calling. If you want to call the show, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. We are live every single Wednesdays and Thursdays. Wednesdays at seven p.m. Thursdays at nine p.m. As I always say, check out all our shows throughout our network throughout the week by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. We've been talking about the Jets. We've been speaking about Zach Wilson. And why not bring a Jet fan on uh, and and his beautiful wife? We are now talking to the hosts of uh, the Saturday night's Hope of Event uh, at SUNY Purchase, Laura and Rick Francella. What's what's up, Laura? And what's up, Rick? How are you guys doing? Hi. We are good, man. Obviously, we were getting into the New York Jets and – uh, I try to kind of look at statistics and 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 really remark about uh, all the fans out there that attacked me on social media for the last couple of weeks uh, about Zach Wilson. I have spoke very highly of Zach Wilson over the last couple of years, and he just hasn't cut it for the New York Jets. And 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 now the Jets, as of right now, have moved on to Mike White. But before we get into your thoughts, Rick, on your New York Jets. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your story and uh, your your event that's going to be held at SUNY Purchase uh, in Westchester on Saturday night. So uh, Night of Hope, A Night of Hope is the name of our event, is inspired by um, Rick and I's two late-term pregnancy losses. We, l- we lost our son, Leo, at 20 weeks in July 2020, and then we lost our daughter, Sophia, at 29 weeks in August, 2021. And after losing Sophia, we were introduced to the Star Legacy Foundation and we really connected with their mission. Um, They support families that have gone through pregnancy losses, losses of infants, and they also do research. And that was a big um, push for us to get involved with them because 
in our own research and finding out what happened um, and why we lost Sophia, we don't have any answers. And so we really appreciate the fact that Star Legacy is trying to get answers. And that's how we started A Night of Hope. It is going to be such a wonderful event. We're so super excited to be able to give back and make positivity out of a situation that has been something that has created a lot of grief and a lot of stress for, for us when we lost our daughter last year. So we're just super excited to be able to put on a show that people will be able to come have fun, eat amazing food, drink amazing wine and beer that's sponsored by Wolf and Warrior Brewing Company. We're just super excited to have this event and be able to put a spin of joy onto a very negative situation that my wife and I are going through as well as too many other people go through when a baby loss happens. As everybody knows, we are talking to the night, uh, the host of the Night of Hope event at SUNY Purchase, uh, Laura and Rick Francella. So obviously, uh, I've spoken to you guys off air and, and so many different things about your story that is just absolutely you know sad and but uh you guys are very strong people obviously rick and and you laura i i mean losing two children is it's heartbroken it's hard it's really heartbroken and 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 to me my sister lost a son a couple about about a year ago now and i know what it's like to lose uh, a family member uh, of that significant but how have you guys been, you know, how have you guys dealt with this over the last couple of years? I mean, obviously, with with all the stuff that you're trying to do and, and the money that you're trying to raise. But how have you been, you know, as as a couple? How do you how do you guys feel as a couple over the last couple of years going through all this? Um, it's been really challenging. And we found that through this, Rick and I certainly grieve very differently. And that was something that we had to come to terms with and learn about ourselves and about each other and just allow ourselves and each other to grieve in the way that feels most comfortable and natural to us. So for me, I certainly wore my grief. Um, it was very visible and it was a lot more difficult for me to deal with and you know, that's why I relied on Star Legacy's support groups, the hospital with the social worker support groups, my therapist. Um, I've had a lot of support in that way just to, you know, be able to talk it through. Um, grief uh, is very different for Rick. So he has his own. Yeah, I mean, journey. I being an elementary school teacher, positivity and joy is something that I do on a daily basis. And as an elementary school teacher, I'm very exuberant and I'm very loud and am a very happy person when it comes to being an elementary school teacher. So when we lost our son, Leo, in um, July of 2020, and then our daughter, Sophia, last year in August of 2021, I, what I like to say, I put on clown makeup and for eight to nine months, I was faking being extremely happy at work, even though obviously the only thing getting me through it during school was my amazing children and the students at, at my wonderful school. But I was, it seemed as if I was faking happiness for my wife 
so that she would be able to learn how to grieve and get through this. And I was convincing myself and convincing the world that I could handle this when in reality I couldn't and I wasn't okay. And when I started to come to terms with the fact that we have different grief and that our grief is um, not going to follow the same road and that both of our grief is worth the same thing was when I truly started to heal as, you know, because as a man, I thought that after all of this, I only needed to be there for my wife. And that was untrue. I needed to first be there for myself so that I could be there for my wife. So you mentioned the event on Saturday. Is What are the other ways that you have spread your story, your message to a lot of these other people that are going through this? And any other message that you want to send any listeners that might be feeling that, that kind of pain? No, of, of course. we. Um, so the, the shirt that we have on right now is the Star Legacy Foundation. And uh, this is uh, the largest beneficiary of A Night of Hope. And uh, they give wonderful... Uh, grief counseling sessions, which we attended after we lost our daughter, Sophia. Um, they're also doing a ton in terms of awareness and research around the country for stillbirth. We've also gone on uh, walks for stillbirth and for baby loss. Do you want to talk about some of the other ways we've been spreading the word too on the radio and TV and such? Yeah, we've had a lot of great um, publicity and in, in being able to share our story. Um, but I think what I would want people to know um, especially people who have gone through this is just know that you're not alone and yeah. you're okay to deal with it in the way that you feel safe enough to deal with it. Um, for us, it was something that we need to do was to talk about it. And, and because I think we felt very shut out by people, um, friends and family, and they had all good intentions and they love us, yeah. but they didn't know what to say to us. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to comfort us. And that's also okay. So if you're a family member of somebody who's lost um, in a pregnancy or lost an infant, it's okay that you don't know what to do because you're not supposed to know what to do. Yeah. This is not. Um, and to say that you don't know. What yeah. To do. And to say like. And you don't know the answers. Just to ask, what can I do for you? That was the biggest thing that we learned through all of this is just have your family members and your friends just say, what can I do for you? It's not enough to say, like, let me know if you need something, um, because I'm I not sure us, if I know. Yeah, how? we don't we don't even know ourselves. And that was something we kept telling one, like, I don't know how to deal with this grief. This is grief that's new to me. So just, you know, be kind to yourself, um, be kind to your friends and family and just make sure that you say exactly what it is when you need it. And that could change at a moment's notice because grief is not linear. It's completely chaotic. We are talking to the host of a night of hope event at SUNY purchase, Laura and Rick Franchella. Tell us a little bit about the event. I know you said there's going to be food. There's going to be wine. Who is, uh, obviously there's a couple of big, uh, you know, big, uh, singers and different people that are going to be there tell us a little bit about the event how many people are how many people are right now showing up and tell tell the fans how they can actually find you guys if if there are tickets still available yeah so we're super pumped because our headliner for this amazing benefit concert is the voice of freddie mercury in the award-winning movie bohemian rhapsody his name is mark martell the dude is amazing he sounds and looks exactly like Freddie Mercury, and he is going to shut the house down. It's going to be so amazing. We also have comedian from America's Got Talent, Joe Matarese, 
We also have Matthew Schuler, who was a finalist for The Voice. We have the Harlem Gospel Choir. Just utterly amazing acts. We have Lady Gaga's violinist, Judy Kang. Hmm. It is going to be such an amazing night. So that the curtains open on that amazing performance at 7.15 this, this Saturday. But from 5.30 until 7 o'clock, we have Polsky Sports coming in and doing such a wonderful auction event with tons of memorabilia, Jets and Giants memorabilia as well. And uh, there's jewelry and handbags, so many things to bid on. We also, our food is sponsored by a local a local wonderful food vendor called Garden Catering uh, up where I'm from in Greenwich, Connecticut, and also near Westchester. And so if do you want to tell everybody where they can still get tickets? Because we have about 300 tickets sold right now, and we have some more tickets sold, but we would absolutely love your listeners to come because you're going to be there. So you can still find tickets on Eventbrite. So if you search A Night of Hope and look for December 3rd at SUNY Purchase, um, you're going to see that it's presented by the Star Legacy Foundation and the Franchella family. That is us. So right on Eventbrite. Well, we're yeah, we're, we're really excited. we're really excited. Uh, me and Speedy will be going on Saturday night. Uh, Yay! Uh, yes, and uh, we're going to have some fun and maybe uh, have some laughs with everybody that's going to be there. Uh, you know, it's so interesting because we, me and actually me and Speedy have been to. So many different foundations and events. We've been to the Tom Coughlin event. I, I've I've done a bunch of events for the NFL, the NHL, and the NBA. And all of them, you know, they raise, you know, obviously have their own foundations. And they raise money for all these great causes. But your cause and, and what you guys have been through, it's just, it's remarkable that you guys have the strength and the where all to, to, to do something like this and, 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 and really help so many people around the country and around the state of New York and, and the tri-state area. And, and, and it's so interesting because, Laura, when we spoke, uh, you, you told me to tell my sister to reach out to you. And for all the stuff that you've been through and, and for you to talk to another, another soul, another person that's been through it, it's pretty amazing. It really is. And it shows who you are as a person and, and really who you and Rick are as people. You guys are really sweet people. And, and I could see what you guys are trying to do. And, and for all the things that you guys have done uh, in such a short time – it's 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 just remarkable, and you guys should absolutely be proud of yourselves on 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 the work that you put into this. Thank you so much. We we really appreciate. It. I mean, it's been no one will say that it's been easy. It has been the hardest thing that we've had to experience in our lives, and we just felt last February when we were still in the midst of our grief, not fully being able to communicate with everybody in our lives about what was going on we just said that we needed to do something. And this for us has been an extremely cathartic experience where we are finally making lemonade out of lemons. We're finally putting some joy into a situation that has been utterly horrible. And we, like you said, thank you so much for saying that we are so proud of ourselves and you know, we're just two educators. I'm a STEM teacher and Laura's a speech language pathologist. We don't know how to put on events, but we did it and it's going to be amazing. This is all that some lay person like us, that we can do is try our best and do something for a good cause. And that is what a night of hope is going to be, which severely exceeded our expectations when we first came up with this idea. 
in February of this past of this year. Yeah, thank you again so much. It it really also stemmed from the fact that when we didn't get answers, I'm just not a person to sit down and be told, so I'm sorry, we don't have an answer for you. Um, that's just not a reasonable <laughs> response. And uh, I think we still have a lot of work to do for yep. sure. Um, 23,000 pregnancies lost a year is just also not acceptable. Um, and we just hope that, you know, more research can be done because the numbers have just been stagnant. We've haven't made any progress in research. We haven't made any progress here in America and we don't want to be another statistic. Um, although when we went through, um, our grief, uh, counseling and our support groups, um, we were told that we're part of a, a family now or part of a group. We don't want to be a part of this group, but we're now a part of this group. It was nice to know that those people are out there and to know. So when I reached out to you and, and said, you know, I would love to speak to your sister, I, I truly meant that because um, to be able to connect with people, um, again, you don't want to be in this group, but you are a part of it. Um, I, at least I felt that it made us feel a little bit better and a little bit safer yeah. in this world that we're in right now. So what a world we're in. And by the way, my sister is pregnant again. She's five months pregnant, uh, with a girl. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's been a crazy, uh, you know, I don't even know what you call it. It's it's just, it it seems like it's a bumpy road. You know, you're going over hills and then you hit walls and uh, it's, it's a crazy story. And by the way, we are talking to the host of a night of hope event at SUNY purchase. Uh, Laura and Rick Franchella, it's it's pretty amazing what you guys are doing and and what you guys stand for. And I think it, it's it's just everything that you guys stand for. It, it's just absolutely fabulous. But Rick, you are a Jet fan. Okay? I am a Jet fan. You are a Jet fan, and I, I'm sure you heard my rant over the last, I, I would say, 25, 27 minutes of the New York Jets. What are your thoughts to obviously Mike White? As the starting quarterback for the New York Jets, uh, are you giving up on Zach Wilson? Should the Jets just wash their hands and move on from Zach Wilson after a year and a half? Or do they give him another chance? Do they let him, uh, you know, obviously take the reins again uh, again at the end of the season or uh, maybe next year? Where do you see this team? Are you excited uh, moving forward with Mike White as your starting quarterback? If we have learned anything from the dumpster fire that is the Green Bay Packers, we know that leadership is important. And Zach Wilson's just not that guy. Zach Wilson is not a leader. And honestly, I really couldn't care if he's up and down with being able to throw five-yard passes and scrambling every other play and sometimes getting it, sometimes not. I'm fine with that. I'm not fine with his response last week during the press conference. And then it was so clear on Twitter with, you know, sauce, liking a tweet, bashing, bashing Zach Wilson and other uh, where it says where Rich Meany says that he's losing the locker room. All that would not, it can't be untrue. And it's very clear when he's sitting on the sideline with his, um, with his star Wars hood over his head, not engaging with anyone who's hyped for um for Mike White that he's not excited for Mike White whatsoever. He's only concerned with himself. So I I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I think he's probably a, a mid quarterback. But even even more than that, he's immature 
he's a baby and he needs to not be our quarterback anymore. He comes from and, a very he comes from a very rich family. He's yep. been pampered his whole life. His his uncle uh, owns I I forget what uh, air airplane company or whatever the heck he owns. So they they come from money. His father comes from money. So whatever the case is, I understand what you're saying and I I understand his pouting and his not interacting with his teammates, but let's let's be honest. You were the number 2 pick and now everybody has given up on you. You're sitting on the bench. Everybody's excited for Mike White. Every time Zach Wilson threw a touchdown or ran a touchdown in, you didn't see any excitement from the, the, the sidelines. Maybe because of his leadership. Maybe for something else. Who knows what it is. And then you're sitting on the bench and your backup quarterback, okay, your backup quarterback, which, by the way, didn't have a good preseason, all right? Yeah. He's he's the starting quarterback. He throws three touchdowns, and every single touchdown he throws, the the the, the fans and even the sidelines. You had Robert Solid jumping oh, jumping in the air like they won won the Super Bowl. You have Sauce Gardner, you know, jumping on his back and riding him like a horse. I mean, come on! If I was, if you were the quarterback, if you were Zach Wilson, and you were watching that on the sideline. Would you be happy for Mike White? Come well, on. Of course I wouldn't. But you know what? I don't get paid millions of dollars to play a sport. So I get paid not that much money to teach children. So you know what? If I'm going to be the second overall pick, he needs to understand that he has some growing up to do. I think he's definitely better than Sam Darnold. He's definitely better, even though he's showing out this year, than Geno Smith. And he's definitely better than Mark Sanchez. But... These issues can lose a locker room, and if you've lost a locker room, you don't get it back. I don't think he's. Be- I don't think he was better than Sam Darnold. I mean, if you look at Sam Darnold's numbers for the last uh, the two years that he was very similar things. I, I mean, yeah, but Darnold's numbers. I, th- I think his first his first full season. Well, he didn't ever play a full season, but he Darnold was close to three thousand yards in both the years that he played. I mean, Zach's not coming close. And Zach, how many touchdowns does he have? Seven touchdowns this year? That's not going to cut it as a starting quarterback for the New York Jets. Lamar Jackson, who everybody said couldn't throw a pass when he came into the league. He was a running quarterback. Justin Justin Fields, okay? I think Justin Fields throw more touchdowns this year than Zach Wilson. And he's been running more more than throwing. That, to me— I saw that he was like third or fourth. In total rushing yards out of all NFL players, that's un- that's unreal. And and that's and, and and believe it or not, anybody that listens to this show, Justin Fields was the guy I wanted to draft. He was the guy that I wanted to draft from the New oh York Jets. He was. Everybody but, was hating on Justin Fields. You, you were the only person. Well, I wasn't hating on. Fields. I wasn't hating on him. I just I didn't like how you know this guy was in. This guy played in a very hard. A hard division in football. He look who he beat, and, and he 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 beat Clemson. He beat Trevor Lawrence in, in the big games. So it's not like you sit here and you you thought, hey, BYU Zach Wilson. Now Zach, it, it, he grew on me when the Jets drafted him. I looked at I, I looked at you know film and I I thought this kid had something. The way he threw at the combine and all that other stuff, and it, and and then obviously the workouts, the team workouts, he looked really, really good. But playing in a football game is completely different than stepping on a field and throwing a ball down the field. It, he, yeah, did- I mean, I think that it's bet- it's between it's what's between his ears that I have a problem with. It's what it's the decisions that he makes and the maturity that he does when he makes those decisions, and 
it, I have no doubt that he can make those passes. And I think right now he just has the yips, but he makes unintelligible decisions. Mike White made the eat like like what Robert Sala said. The checkdowns makes easy look easy. Yeah, that's, th- that's what it was. He Mike was White, th- yeah, he, he made the Bears, which are a bad defense, mm-hmm. look bad, and he played well, which is what he was supposed to do. I, I think Mike White used the checkdowns, and that's something that Zach Wilson has had a problem exactly. with all season he long. Every hero, yeah. Every he time to make the huge long throws downfield. Every time he tried to throw a check down over the last couple of weeks, you could see that he can't throw those short passes. And no. uh, it's a huge problem. And, and again, everybody's going to make the excuses. And I, I do believe it was windy in New England. I do believe it was cold and windy. And uh, they had to run the ball. And, 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 and if Mike White played in the game, I do believe the Jets win that game. I, I do. Jones is a worse quarterback than him. And he yeah. threw for, what was it, 295 yards? Yeah. And and what was it, two, uh, two touchdowns? I just don't have it in front of me. Mac Jones is not great. If he was on any other team without Bill Belichick, he would be a yeah. second-string quarterback. That's what I said, too, in that draft. Yeah. he outplayed Zach so much. Mm. Zach just doesn't make good decisions. And Mike White is going to make the intelligible decision. And he's that's, the lead. That's the biggest thing. I think that I, mean, I think the players. Are, you said it. Vikings are going to be the huge test. Yeah. I think if we win either at Vikings or at Bills, one of those two games, we will never see Zach Wilson on the on a New York Jets uniform starting again. I I will say this: if if the Jets win one of these games, you will not see Zach Wilson this year. I do believe Zach Wilson. The Jets are going to have to make a decision in the offseason. Is he the quarterback of the future, or do they bring in a veteran quarterback to challenge him and Mike White moving forward? I don't think Mike White is the answer. I, I don't. No, really not. I, I don't. But, again, Mike White was a very good college player. If you look at his uh, – he was a better college player than Zach Wilson was. And he's yeah. 27 years old. Maybe he found – maybe the Jets found something in a player like this. Maybe Mike White is a starting quarterback. And you don't need a star quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a star quarterback. He's no. not. He's an efficient quarterback. And if you have an efficient quarterback, you can win with an efficient quarterback if you have a good offensive line, a good defensive line, and a good defense, and a good running game. What wins championships? A good running game and a great defense. And the Jets have both of them. And when Brees yeah, Hall comes nine, back, we're yeah. nine and two. If we have Jimmy G, yeah, we're nine and two, mm. and I think that that's uh, that's a guarantee that we just need someone. I mean, that's why we made it to the AFC Championship with Mark Sanchez mm. because he, in those two years prior to him showing his true form and being horrible, in those two years he didn't make as many mistakes, and our defense was top one. It, we were one and two for both of those years. Mm. That's the biggest reason. We just need someone. We we haven't as as a Jets fan base. We haven't had a quarterback that is a Brett Favre, even though we had Brett mm. Favre in two thousand eight. <laughs> um, we haven't had a true form Brett Favre in. I mean, since Namath. Mm. Well, the Jets haven't had a good quarterback since Namath. And I, I, honestly, if you look at the numbers, Namath wasn't a great quarterback. That's just my opinion. Andy Dalton has better numbers than Joe Namath. And, and Joe Namath is a Hall of Famer. And everybody hated, obviously, Andy Dalton. But we really appreciate you guys joining us. You guys are awesome. Keep up the good work. We will be there on Saturday. Uh, one more time, tell the fans how they can find, uh, you know, obviously, they could buy tickets online. How could they find the tickets? So you go to eventbrite.com, you search for a Night of Hope, 
and you'll see that it will be on December 3rd, this Saturday, December 3rd at SUNY Purchase. It's going to be presented by the Star Legacy Foundation and the Francella family. And you'll know you're in the right place and you can buy tickets. We have VIP tickets that'll give you the uh, food from Garden Catering and preferential seating. And you'll, uh, we also have open bar. an open bar. And we also have general admission tickets that will give you some light snacks and uh, the craft beer you can purchase uh, and some soda water. And just it's just going to be an, a fabulous, amazing night with silent auctions. We have live raffles for vacations going on. You can also on Eventbrite buy a raffle right now to win a trip to Tuscany, Italy for eight days, seven nights. Wow, look at that. Speedy, you want to go to Italy? <laughs> it's for four people, so. Hey, I mean, bring us. <laughs> there you go. Might as well. Uh, but, so that's on eventbrite.com, a night of hope. You can find it still and buy tickets. We really appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, we'll see you, you on Saturday. Having... Keep up the good work. You guys are really special people. and You deserve a lot of credit for all the work you put into this. And um, I think you guys are going to be very, very successful uh, with your events and, and your events moving forward. It, it's it's fantastic story and, and a story that you, you, you can obviously root for you, you guys. And I, I believe you guys are going to be very uh, – you guys are going to eventually have your child, your children, and you're going to be very you're, – you're going to be very, very happy. You guys are really good people. So Thank you so much. I, Thank I, you so much. We absolutely. appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we'll see you Saturday. Awesome. All right, Team Mike White. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> good night. <laughs> we were just talking to the hosts of A Night of Hope event on SUNY – well, at SUNY Purchase – on Saturday night, December 2nd, right? It's December 2nd? December 3rd. December 3rd, I'm sorry. December 3rd at 5, it starts at 5.30 p.m. SUNY Purchase, it's in Westchester. Uh, you can check it, you can buy tickets, they're still available. Check it out, uh, they're fantastic people. Laura and obviously Rick Franchella, uh, they're hosting it. Fantastic people, they've worked really, really hard on this event. And uh, I'm looking forward to meeting them for the first time and and, and getting the opportunity to see uh, the, the fantastic, uh, you know, the fantastic stories uh, of the different people that are going to be uh, going to be there and, and, and their story when they when they speak to the people and, and actually host the event. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking to USA Today's college football and basketball national columnist Dan Walken here on the Sports Lab Mouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout our network throughout the week. Great, great shows. We have a Bills show. We have a Jets show. We have shows from all different parts of the country, from Louisiana to Florida to San Diego, California, all over the world. So definitely check out our network throughout the week. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Rick and uh, Laura Franchella. They were fantastic. Really, really good people. Really, really sweet people. And now we have a very special guest. First time on our show, we are now talking to USA Today college football and basketball national columnist, Dan Walken. Dan, what's up, man? Just another day in paradise. You, you look like it. You, you look like you're so excited and uh, so calm and collective. 
It's been a long week. Been a long <laughs> week into the end of the season, but uh, we're going to get there. Absolutely. How are you and your family doing, obviously, from COVID-19 and all the crazy stuff that's been going on the last past year? Oh, I mean, can't complain. Uh, everything's been everything's been all right. So making it through, making it through, coming out the other side of it. So it's all good. So why don't we get into the Michigan and Ohio State game? That game was uh, was supposed to be a close game. It was supposed to be fun to watch. And it really was just dominated by Michigan. The last two years, and, and, and Ohio State really dominated th- those games against Michigan for years. I think it was like seven or eight times they, they completely dominated, and Michigan couldn't beat them. And now all of a sudden, back-to-back years, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan knock off the Ohio State Buckeyes, uh, obviously uh, a Heisman, to- Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, so w- what are your thoughts going into the game? Did you think Ohio was the favorites? I, I didn't really check out your column. Uh, for that, and and what did you think about the game? Did you really think that Michigan was going to have a game like that defensively the way they did? Yeah, I actually picked Michigan in the game. Just watching the two teams all season long, I, I just felt like there was something off with Ohio State. It's a great collection of talent, but when you watch them week in and week out, it just did not seem like they were playing to their potential. Uh, just a lot of kind of messing around, you know, it seemed like they had to have things perfectly go their way to be able to be explosive offensively, which is what they're built to do. I felt like Michigan all season has kind of been very consistent in how they approach the game. They've been physical, very good defensively. And it just, to me, looked like Michigan, not as talented, but knows who they are, knows what they want to do. Ohio State just looked a little bit more, I think unsure all season long. And so I was not really surprised that, that Michigan won the game. And what I was surprised by was that they were able to throw the ball as effectively as, as they did. Uh, they really had a couple, three big plays in the passing game that, that turned it in their favor. And then Ohio state just played really tight. They coached tight. They played tight in the second half. I think Ryan day, Really made some coaching mistakes, uh, you know, punting when he should have gone for it. Um, you know, it just it was just not a very confident performance by Ohio State. And I think Michigan right now just kind of has their number. So we've been waiting a lot of time at the beginning of the season. Michigan wasn't really playing the biggest games on their schedule. They were playing down at teams a lot. But the last couple of weeks, they've really picked it up. And you're really seeing a more complete team. Do you think this is a better team than the one they had last year that finished undefeated? Yeah, it's interesting. Going into the year, you wouldn't have said that uh, because they lost so many guys, especially off their defense. They lost a couple key offensive linemen. Uh, but I do think this team is better this year. I think they're better equipped. If they get into a playoff game, let's just say against Georgia in the national championship, I, th- I think they're better equipped to give a good accounting of themselves. I'm not going to sit here and predict they're going to win the game. But I, I do think that with the way they've played this year um, in the running game. And and also they can throw the ball a little bit, you know, Donovan Edwards is a great backfield threat uh, can come out of the flat and make something happen. You know, I I think Blake Corum, um, you know, he he didn't play hardly at all in that game against Ohio state. But if you've watched him week after week, he's really kind of been the engine of their offense. JJ McCarthy, you know, he was a backup last year, got the starting job this year. And I, I do think he's, you know, he's had some struggles, but I, I think he's got more 
ceiling and potential to make big plays. So I like this Michigan team. I like the way they've played. You know, this is an era of, of wide open spread offenses, but I do think it's telling that Georgia and Michigan, the two teams who kind of play the other way, they've kind of zagged while everyone else has zigged, leaning on their defense, leaning on running game. They're one and two right now as we go into the last weekend and very physical teams. And I still think people love the spread and they love wide open offense, but physicality, line of scrimmage, that still matters in college football. Dan, I don't know how the college board really decides the points and how each of these teams are rated after after one game every single week. It doesn't make any sense to me. I, I mean, obviously, Georgia right now has 1,570 points. Michigan has 1,516. TCU has 1,449. And obviously, USC, 1,382. When you look at all four of these teams, and obviously this college playoff, and Georgia by far is the best team in the country. It's not even close. Uh, even TCO right now has played undefeated football. This is a very good program, very well run over the last couple of years. And then USC, Lincoln Riley. Everybody thought it was going to take a little while before Lincoln Riley would have would have taken this team to a top four, top five team. But this year they have fantastic weapons. Uh, their defense has played well. They have a very good offensive line. What are are you surprised USC is right there uh, in fourth and and do you think Ohio State right now if they they win their next few games do you think Ohio State can somehow get back into this college playoff? Well, I, I guess I'm not terribly surprised about USC. I think I actually predicted them to make the playoff. Wow! In the preseason, uh, because you know I didn't think the Pac-12 was going to be particularly strong. I, I have a ton of regard and respect for the kind of coach Lincoln Riley is. And of course, you know, because of the transfer portal, the relaxed rules on transfers now in college sports, he was able to bring his quarterback with him. And Caleb Williams is an amazing quarterback who you know, has to come back to school next year. But I would say in the 2024 NFL draft, I mean, he's probably going to be the number one pick. And uh, I think he is the reason they're here very clearly. They had some talent at USC, but, because they were able to get him in, he makes everything go. He's he's just a special player. A big fan of the way that they've been able to turn it around this year. And you know, I think it's unfortunate for them that they lost the game to Utah in Salt Lake City on a two point play at the end of the game. But they have now a chance to avenge that and and play their way in. I, I think for Ohio State, it's definitely either or. You know, USC. I think the I, let me put it this way: it breaks down that. Georgia and Michigan are going to be in no matter what happens this weekend. I still think TCU is going to be in, even if they lose the Big 12 championship game to Kansas State. So it's really between USC and Ohio State. If USC loses, I think there's probably going to be in that committee room a discussion about you know who's had the better season. But Ohio State with one loss will probably back their way in. USC would have two losses at that point, both to Utah and I think that probably would keep them out. There's nothing more Ohio State can do at this point. They're not playing this weekend. I think it would be unfortunate and bad if they basically get in without having to do anything. But that's kind of the stupid system that we've got right now. Uh, it would be better, I think, in the 12-team playoff era. But we're not there yet. USC's got to win uh, to basically end all the speculation and conversation. And I think they will. 
So what about the two teams right on the other side, on the outside, the two losses, uh, Alabama and Tennessee? There's a lot of controversy, say, if both TCU and USC lose, like which one, one of them would you think would get in? Now, Alabama will get to play for – or no, they won't – neither of them will get to play for their conference championships. They're already stuck where they are, two losses. So do you see paths for either one of them, and who would get the tiebreaker, you think, with two losses? No, I, I actually don't see a path for either of them. I mean, Tennessee – you know, the, the issue with them or one of the issues with them is that their quarterback, Kendon Hooker, who was so terrific for most of the year, he's got a torn ACL. I think Tennessee would be ahead of Alabama if not for that. But it, it's irrelevant either way. I mean, look, um, Alabama sitting there number six. They have two losses. They could potentially pass USC, but I don't think they're going to pass. I don't think there's any way they could pass TCU. TCU comes into this thing undefeated at 12 and 0. TCU's played a good schedule. They've got good wins. If they lose to Kansas State in the Big 12 title game, that would be a a loss to a top 10 team. Kansas State would be in the top 10 at that point. And they've already beaten Kansas State once earlier this year. So, I just don't see how the committee could could say if TCU loses and is sitting there at 12 and 1 that Alabama at at 10 and 2 should go in over TCU. I just don't think there's any way that that could happen. So um, I think Alabama's out. I really think this is all just about USC versus Ohio State. We are talking to USA Today, college football and basketball national columnist, Dan Walken. I want to get into college basketball. Obviously, it's still early, but uh, Duke has a really good recruiting class. Uh, Shire's first year taking over for Coach K, uh, losing against Purdue the way they did. Uh, a few days ago, it was pretty embarrassing. Purdue obviously ranked fifth right now in the country. They, they have a pretty good class coming back. And a lot of people think they're every year, year in and year out, they're a very good defensive team. They're very big, but they always die out in the Sweet 16 or, you know, the, the Elite Eight. They, they, never, they never get into the Final Four. They never do. Do you think this year could be the year that Purdue really gets themselves into the Final Four with the team that they have set up? I mean – Look, anybody can make a Final Four. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's the thing in college basketball, especially in this era. Um, anybody can make a run. Purdue's got a really good program. I mean, they're, they've been terrific the last several years. Um, it's It has been a disappointment for them in the tournament. But I, I just think it's too early to speculate. College basketball is just so even right now in the landscape. And the tournament has always been a bit of a crapshoot anyway. Mm-hmm. I think it's even more like that in this era right now. Um, Duke, you know, very young team. They're playing pretty good defensively. I actually like a lot of what Shire's done. Uh, but they they have a little trouble scoring. You know, some of their young guys who are highly rated are, are just not ready. We'll see in March. You know, that, that's a long time, a lot of games between now and then. And all these teams are going to evolve and develop. Duke's got a lot of upside. But Purdue's very, very good. And, you know, you beat Gonzaga and Duke back-to-back to to win a big tournament like they did out in Portland. You're you're a serious team. But whether, you know, they're going to make a Final Four, it's going to depend on matchups. It's going to depend on on luck and health and all that stuff. But they're they're really a consistently good program, and um, they, they do present a lot of problems. So I want to go to both both sports. Conference expansion has been big for both in college sports, too. We've heard a lot of rumors with Gonzaga. They might go to the Pac-12. They might go to the Big 12 now. We've heard and in football. We've heard the Big 12 trying to re- recruit everybody. We've heard the Big 10 trying to already get USC and UCLA. So do you see any more of these types of conference expansion things actually coming true? And do you think this could be a norm down the road? 
Well, I mean, the thing is, conferences have always evolved and expanded and changed. It happens, you know, pretty much every time there's a major television contract that comes up because these conferences are trying to get as much money as they can from the networks. So part of the way they do that is they look at, okay, is there somebody we can add that would make us more valuable to the TV networks? And, you know, obviously the biggest brands are what drives television revenue. That's why the SEC a year ago, year and a half ago, was so adamant about adding Texas and Oklahoma, really increase the value of their league. The Big Ten looking west, you know, UCLA, USC. Changes, everything's changing. It's a, it's an evolution. I mean, the Gonzaga thing is interesting because they've kind of been out there for years. You know, they they at one point they talked to the Big East. You know, they've talked to the Pac-12. They've talked to the Mountain West. They're in a difficult situation because they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere in Spokane, Washington. That's a very long way from uh, the Big 12 footprint and territory, which now, by the way, includes Central Florida. You know, so you could have right. you could literally have a conference of basketball that spans from Orlando, you know, and, and West Virginia all the way to Spokane, Washington. So it's a little bit, a little bit crazy. I don't know what they're going to do. They're very attractive, obviously. And you might see some, you know, of those basketball only additions uh, with some of these power programs to, to try to get a little more value. But um, yeah, every, every few years, you're just going to have to live with Teams changing conferences. It's it's been that way forever. As everybody knows, we are talking to USA Today college football and basketball national columnist Dan Walken. Uh, I look at the game, a college game. Obviously, Archie Manning next year will be the starting quarterback for Texas, and I uh, I don't know how Texas dragged him in. I mean, obviously Alabama was looking at him, LSU was looking at him, all the big conference teams were looking at him, and he decides to go to Texas, maybe because of money. Do you like how the the game, the college game has transitioned, where these players are making money? I've always felt that college athletes should be able to capitalize on on their name, image, and likeness. Um, You know, there are so many athletes that college is going to be the height of their popularity and fame and potential to earn money and to deny them the commercial opportunities to capitalize on that has always been fundamentally wrong. In my opinion, you know, some of these guys who are going to be top 10 draft picks in, in football and basketball, you know, the money they make in college is, is not really going to impact them long-term. They're going to make way, way more money when they turn pro, but there's just so many guys like, you know, Drew Timmy at Gonzaga, just as an example, he's not going to be a, probably an NBA player. I mean, he may, you know, he may get a cup of coffee or hang on somebody's bench. Maybe, maybe, you know, but this is probably the best it's ever going to be for him. So why wouldn't he be able to, or shouldn't he be able to make money off who he is now and the level of fame and notoriety he's achieved as a college player? So I've always believed that. Um, I do think that the way that it's being used in uh, recruiting is is not what it was intended to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like, I think it's going to self-correct a little bit over the years because when kids are 17 years old, you don't really know a lot about how they're going to project and what kind of players they're going to become. There's going to be a lot of very bad investments in NIL. I think we've seen it just as an example with Texas A&M this year, Texas A&M had one of the great recruiting classes of all time. 
they were a five and seven football team. And a lot of those guys weren't contributing in a significant way. And probably a number of them are going to end up transferring to different schools. So some of these boosters, you know, even though they have a lot of money, are they going to want to continue to sink millions of dollars into recruiting classes that don't pan out or guys who, you know, only project to be good college players, but don't really pan out. So I do think it'll self-correct a little bit. And maybe there are some things the NCAA and these schools need to do to rein it in a little bit and have a little bit more control over how this money is being used to, uh, to incentivize recruits to go to a certain school. But overall, I think the, the good outweighs the bad and forever college administrators, coaches, athletic directors said this will make college sports less popular. People aren't going to want to watch. It was all BS. More people are watching than ever. So I want to move on to the other chaos of the weekend, the uh, the coaching hires. There were three mm. of them. There were Matt, Matt Rule gets a lot of money from Nebraska after Scott Frost got fired Ridiculous, early in the year. The and then you got uh, you got Wisconsin bringing in Luke Fickle, which I thought was a good hire. And then the, mo- the most controversial one, Hugh Freeze going to Auburn after all the issues he had at the end of his old Miss tenure. So what did you think of all those hires? Well, I thought Matt Rule made a lot of sense. I mean, I think when it was clear Scott Frost wasn't going to make it at Nebraska, Matt Rule was the name that everybody was talking about because he's a really good college football coach. It didn't work out in the NFL, but when you do what he did at temple and then go to Baylor, which was in an awful situation coming out of the Art Bryles era and got them back to being really good. I mean, he knows how to coach college football. He knows what works in that sport. So I think it's, that's a home run for, for Nebraska. Really? Um, Interesting. I think, I think that, uh, Oh, it's as good as Nebraska could have done. No, no question in my mind. Um, Luke Fickle, obviously, you know, a year out from taking Cincinnati to the playoff. I think it fits. He's been a big 10 guy his whole career. I think that's a very good hire for, for Wisconsin. And then, you know, freeze and Auburn, like the situation Auburn was in, they got rid of Gus Malzahn. They went a totally different direction, brought in Brian Harson from Boise state with no sec experience and it didn't work. And so I think it was obvious they were going to kind of go back the other direction and hire somebody who was really an SEC kind of guy. Hugh Freeze, what he did at Ole Miss, uh, he was he made them relevant. He beat Nick Saban twice. Um, you know, obviously there was a lot of uh, controversy in how he got fired, but sort of paid his penance, had to go to Liberty, which was a brand new program, and actually got them winning very quickly. You know, developed Malik Willis into an NFL quarterback. Malik Willis, ironically enough, was kind of a washout at Auburn. Hugh Freeze is going to win at, at Auburn. I, I have very little doubt about it. Um, you know, he's going to recruit well. He's going to. He's not going to be afraid to go head to head with uh, with Georgia, with Tennessee, with Alabama in recruiting. So, I, I think it was a pretty much a no brainer hire for Auburn as well. I think all three of those schools did pretty well. As everybody knows, we are talking to USA Today college football and basketball national columnist Dan Walken. One more question for me. When you look at the, you know, obviously college basketball and all college sports, college football, do you believe that the players should have a union now with, with the money coming in and all that other stuff and the back and forth banter with the, the coaches are making a ton of money. They're, they're, you, Matt Rule's making eight years, $76 million. And some of these players, uh, not all of them, Bryce Young, I think uh, last year made $2 million. Uh, with his endorsements and and all the different things that are happening. Do you think that there should be a players union built for these players? There should absolutely be revenue sharing with college athletes. 
the amount of money that's being brought in in these media contracts uh, and, and ticket sales and everything else. Uh, absolutely, I would say that uh, college athletes should be getting a piece of that, um, how you divide it and who gets what. That it would be the job of, of a union. I think you'd have to have some type of representation to, to negotiate what that's going to be, just like in NBA, NFL, uh, Major League Baseball. It's, um, it's, it, it would be complicated, and certainly there'd be some roadblocks. You know, some of these schools are state schools, and do you categorize them as employees? And you know, there's all kinds of union laws with state employees that are different from one state to the other. It, this is not easy stuff. Uh, but there's no doubt in my mind that, that there should be revenue sharing and, and these players should get a cut. So my last question is, uh, you talked about the 12-team playoff expansion for the future earlier. Do you think that is the right amount of teams? And if not, was there a number that you thought would be best? <laughs> I mean, look, the problem is, in any given year in college football, there, there are not 12 teams that can win a national title. There's not eight teams that can win a national title. Like, there might be three or four, maybe. There's usually, like, two. But um, it's good for the sport overall to expand. It brings in more teams. It makes more games relevant late in the season. I think there'll be a lot of interest. I think one of the great things about the 12-team playoff as they have it set up is there's going to be incredible matchups in the first couple rounds. I mean, you're, you know, Alabama-Penn State, Oregon-Clemson. But I don't think it's going to change the top, top of the sport. It's still going to be when you get to the finals, when you get to the semifinals, it's still going to be, you know, your, your Georgia, Alabama, um, you know, Ohio State. It's 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 going to be those types of programs. But on balance, uh, I think maybe I'd prefer eight to 12, I guess. But I know why they did 12 and it makes sense why uh, it's going to bring in a lot of interest. And I think it'll be good for the sport overall. Dan, we really appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy guy. Uh, as college football is almost over, college basketball. March Madness is right around the corner. December is going to go fast. Happy holidays. How was your Thanksgiving with your family? It was awesome, but, uh, you know, got to – Got to press on, and uh, this is definitely uh, crunch time for, for college football. So uh, looking forward to seeing what happens championship Saturday. That's a segment on our uh, weekend show on 103.9, crunch time. So there you Which go. usually features college football a lot, <laughs> except when we're at 1030 at night. Uh, we really appreciate your time. We'd love to get you on again uh, as the college football season starts to wear out and the NBA, well, I'm sorry, the NCAA college tournament, the NCAA tournament happens right around the corner. We'd love to get you on again. Okay. Thanks, guys. Dan Woken, ladies and gentlemen, USA Today, college football and basketball national columnist. Very nice guy. Yes. Uh, he, he, he seemed very, uh, like we were just about to get him on. He, he was very anxious to get on. He really did. So, but I'm happy to get him on. Yep. Uh, we 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 got through and we went through all the 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 college football that we wanted to get into, and I, a lot of the questions that I asked to me is it's all about the players making money yep. and, and really a players union. I I think that the NCAA should have a players union. Uh, maybe uh, one of these one of these quarterbacks, one of the big time superstars. Maybe when Archie Manning. Uh, obviously steps foot on the field. Maybe he becomes the, the spokesman, the face of the players' union. There has to be at least one or two players that will speak for the players. So yeah. uh, I, I think you need somebody that has a strong personality and, and a strong name. And I think Archie Manning, uh, if, he's, if he's that type of player or if he's that type of person, uh, could be a person that obviously players will look up to and, 
and and the union will look up to moving forward as a you know a college football player. So yeah, I think you could definitely see it too because during COVID too, you saw it where the Pac-12 had their own union when they were still not playing right away. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the Big Ten had their own union because both of those conferences started their seasons later too. So you're trying to see you're seeing definitely more of that player power. And you had a lot of guys from Oregon and USC be the guys that are were the spokesperson for that. You saw Trevor Lawrence was that in the ACC at yes, that he time was. Mm-hmm. Uh, before he got drafted by the Jaguars. So was Justin Fields, right? So those are all the spokespeople that did it already. So you definitely could see it within each conference to be able to do that with how strong the conference brands are in college football and in college basketball, no matter how they expand, too, like we were talking about with Dan, who, by the way, uh, has a little more faith in John Shire than you do. Oh, please. I, John Shire, first of all, and I'm not going to take any shots at John Shire in the way that Duke Blue Devils are playing defensively. They're a very good defensive team. They had five top recruits, and they're all big and good defensively. Offensively, they're horrible. How do you put up a 56 spot or 55 spot against the Purdue, uh, a, a Purdue team? They're very good defensively, but you're just better then. You, you have more talent then. Purdue. Now, obviously, Purdue has has played pretty good basketball. It's early, and I still think Duke will be a top, you know, a, a top two seed or three seed in in wherever their bracket, you know, they set them up in a bracket. But to me, they need to score more. They need to shoot better. They're a terrible shoot three point shooting team. Right. Last year, they were a terrible three point shooting team until the tournament. So uh, I want to see better play by this team. They're too talented not to be an elite offensive team in college basketball. That's just my opinion. Shire, he's a rookie coach. I don't know what he is as, as a college coach. I remember him as a player, and I wasn't a big fan of Shire. Okay, and he was a he was a decent Duke Blue Devil. He really was. He was one of uh, one of Coach K's favorite players, and that's why he's right now uh, the guy that he picked. I thought Bobby Hurley would have been the perfect, I believe, coach for the Duke Blue Devils when he, when Coach K decided to part ways. He decided to go with Shire. Do I think he made the right decision? Only time will tell. If Shire could bring home a championship in the next three to four years with the recruiting class that he brought in, thanks to Coach K, well, then I'll shut up. But if he doesn't, he goes into uh, the tournament this year and lays a lousy goose egg and they don't get into the Elite Eight or the Final Four, then with this recruiting class, I don't care how young they are. This is this was one of the best recruiting classes Duke's ever had. Mm. Ever had. Did you say Bobby Hurley was your favorite Duke player? Too? Yes. Yeah. And he's a great coach. Yeah, no, I, I know he's been a good coach for throughout yeah. many different spots in college basketball. And people respect Bobby Hurley and, and what he did as a college player. And I think Bobby Hurley would have been a great choice for Coach K to make him as the head coach for the Duke Blue Devils. But again, Coach K has his own decision-making, and he decided to go with Shire. Is it the right decision? Only time will tell. And I'm going to give Shire two years. Two years. With this recruiting class, and probably three out of the five guys are probably going to go into the NBA after this year. Three out of the five. Because I believe three out of those five guys will be a top 15 pick in the NBA. This is not – everybody keeps talking about this, this class coming out. I think it's more uh, overseas European right. class than it is uh, you know, college basketball, NCAA class. I don't think this is as good as it was last year. And last year's class wasn't that great. So uh, I know everybody can't wait until uh, Bronny, Bronny James comes out of the draft. He's not even going to be good. And I, I don't even think – and he will play college basketball at least one year. Yeah. And I'm hearing 
Uh, he's interested in Duke. I've heard uh, USC is another team he's interested in. So we'll see where Bronny goes, and he will be drafted. He will be a first-round draft pick because of his father, but not because of his talent. <laughs> because of his father, because of his namesake, he's probably going to get the largest NIL deal you'll ever see. Oh, he's already getting deals yeah. right now. I think uh, he just got a shoe deal worth about 2 I'm or $3 million. Yeah. Nike gave him a shoe deal. Yep. So I this is a kid that's going to make a lot of money just because of his last name. Now, is he his father? He's never going to be his father. No. None of these kids ever turn turn out to be, especially in basketball. How many great basketball players, superstar basketball players, have a son after them come into the NBA and become stars? I don't even remember the last one. Tim Hardaway Jr., he's all right. He's a decent NBA player. Not great. I mean, Gary Payton, Gary Payton Jr., he's all right. I mean, they're, they're, none of these guys... They come into the league, and Dwayne Wade's son couldn't even make the NBA. Right. Kenyon Martin's son is a bench warmer. I, I mean, and Kenyon Martin was an okay player. He wasn't a great NBA player. He was a good NBA player. So, I, I mean, LeBron James, he's the king, one of the greatest basketball players ever play. His son, even if he's half decent and he becomes a half decent NBA player, that's better than nothing. I just don't think. Look at the Jordans. Right. Marcus Jordan. Uh, who's the other one? I, I forget. Bryce, the other. I think you said it was. No, Bryce. it wasn't Brian. Brian. Okay. It might have been. I, I know what Marcus was one of them. I think Brian, if I'm Brian. not Brian Jordan or something like that. The Jordans. Uh, one of them, one of them played D one, and the other one was back and forth D two and D one. So uh, none of them made it to the NBA, and one of them's dating now uh, Scottie Pippen's ex wife. Oh, Marcus. So uh, <laughs> that's a, that's gonna be some interesting uh, ex Bulls love triangle. I don't care, honestly. It, with with. With Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever to play. I believe the greatest athlete to ever play in any sport. Uh, well, who his son's dating doesn't mean anything to me. And the fact that it's all over, uh, you know, tabloids and newspapers, I could care less about Marcus uh, Jordan and uh, Scottie Pippen's ex-wife, Lorna or whatever. Laura Pippen. So Yeah, he's got, uh, he's got two brothers, James R. Jordan Jr. and then Larry Jordan, and then he has a sister, Rosalind Jordan. No, that's Michael Jordan's. I'm talking about his sons. Oh, his sons, yeah. Okay. Yes, Marcus is one of them, and I, I don't know his other son. I, I, I think it's Brian. I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure, but uh, Carl says, "Oh, Carl says Jeffrey Jordan." Jeffrey, okay. Jeffrey Jeff, Jordan. that's right, okay. Jeff. Thank Jeff. you, Carl, for that. Thank uh, you. Carl also says, "Brought uh, to Michigan, <laughs> J.K." Uh, well, the NCAA doesn't want the union, but I get you I get why you want the players to have one and uh, want a natty. Yes. Uh, this whole Odell Beckham story has really grown legs. It really has, and I, I understand it's Odell Beckham, and and the story gets thrown off a plane and. Obviously, he was unconscious on the plane, and, and nobody knows. Maybe he was on drugs. Who knows, okay? But the fact is, this story, when this broke, it was the biggest story in America for, the, for, for like 24 hours. Now, I, I, I read a little bit about the story, and, and the story fully hasn't even come out because we don't know the full, the full story behind it. Now, Odell will probably speak. Does this hurt Odell? Uh, for maybe moving on and getting on a team before the season's end be, where he can play for a Super Bowl like the Cowboys or the Giants or wherever he decides to go. I don't think it will hurt him, but he's going to have to answer some questions to these owners and these co these GMs before they decide to bring him in because obviously uh, he was moved, removed from a, pla a plane because of medical issues and maybe he was taking something he shouldn't be taking or maybe smoking something he shouldn't be smoking. I don't know, but there there has to be he has to come 
uh, to these GMs and these owners uh, when he decides uh, where he wants to play for the rest of the season. I think it will probably be in the next couple of you know, couple of days. I, I mean, honestly, we don't know where he's going to decide to play. And again, he's he's looking for more than a one year deal. He's looking right. for a two year, three year extension. Coming back from an ACL tear, he was possibly going to be the MVP of the Super Bowl last year. He had the early touchdown, and then he, he tore his ACL again. So I, I don't know where this story is going to go, but I, I was expecting Odell Beckham to pick a team last week. Why is it taking him so long to decide, decide where he wants to play? Yeah, the announcement was after the Thanksgiving game. He was going to decide between the Giants and the Cowboys. All right, and Thanksgiving was a week ago. Yes, and the flight happened on Sunday, and he was uh, medically had a medical issue where he was going in and out of his consciousness while seated on the plane. He had to be forced off the plane. It left from Miami, so a lot of things they have to go through, which probably delayed with the, the, this operation. Now, obviously, they could do it virtually, too. I'm not sure if he met with all the other teams uh, that he was interested in, but the Giants and the Cowboys definitely do seem like the primaries. The other thing, too, is... How is he feeling right now? We haven't heard anything else since that. Sunday. We haven't heard anything. Yeah, since that Nothing Sunday. has come out ever since that plane situation. Right. And, and, and there has to be some kind of story. He, he has to do an interview. Uh, I don't know who's going to interview him, uh, what, uh, what uh, podcast or, or ESPN or CBS wants to interview him about that situation. But he's going to have to answer questions to it because it seemed like for, for – over the weekend, it was, I think on Friday, it was one of the biggest stories in America. Mm-hmm. And, and the facts are facts. We don't know what he was taking. Why was he unconscious on a plane? And then when he woke up, he was arguing with one of the flight attendants. So, uh, I, I, tenants, so I, I don't know the whole story behind it. it, it it's a very fishy story, a very unique story, and Od- only Odell Beckham can answer the questions. Yeah, and a lot of it will depend on also when he signs and like what kind of physical condition will he be in. Because, again, mentally we have to see because he's uh, we'll have to go through all this. Obviously, you're right. He was taking shots. He's 100% guys. healthy. He's, Hel- yeah. he, he's come out and said that he's 100% healthy. He's ready to get back on a football field. And I, I still think – Whoever decides to add him to the team, the Giants Giants don't have a player of that magnitude. No. I don't want to hear about Slayton. Slayton is not Odell Beckham. Even now, even Odell Beckham, five, six years older than he was when he played for the Giants, this guy is still explosive. He can still make plays, and he can absolutely help Daniel Jones if they have any chance of making the playoffs. And the Cowboys, I love C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb is a great player. Odell Beckham is still a better player than C.D. Lamb. So you put you put Odell Beckham on the other side of C.D. Lamb, you have a prolific offense, and your third option is Gallup. I mean, that's a pretty good front three yep. wide receiving core that you have moving forward into the playoffs. And Dak has no excuses going to the playoffs if you have somebody like Odell Beckham on the other side of the field. Yeah, we've seen as questionable of a coach as he can be with in-game decisions. Mike McCarthy do very well with three receiver sets like that, which they haven't been able to use a lot this year because of all the injuries they had with Gallup and some of the other receivers, and even Dalton Schultz at tight end as well. Uh, Carl also says Steph Curry is a son that's oh, better than his father. I guess that's the only one, yeah, I can think of. Steph Curry? What? Uh, yes. Del, yes. Yeah, Del yeah. Curry, right. Yes. I'm, I'm talking about football. I'm not talking about basketball. Yeah, football. Yeah, football. There's a lot of samples right now. Joey Porter's son's at Penn State right now. But he's right. I, I, did, I did speak about LeBron James. So, yeah, right. that yeah, Steph Curry is better than his father. He's right. He's absolutely right. Yep. Uh, Carl, Carl and Jeff uh, trust talking. Uh, Georgia just scored again on Michigan. And Carl says, uh, Jeff, you got to use that line on Ohio State now because they can't beat Michigan. I think Seth is better than his father, Dell, too. Mm. I, I do. Seth is a better defender than his father. And, and maybe not as good a shooter as Dell. Dell was, sure. 
What are the average in the NBA? 12 points a game? Yeah, something like that. I, I mean, like Seth is yeah. averaging about 13, 14 points a game. So I, I think Seth was better than his father, too. Now, Steph is way better than Seth, and right. Steph is going to go down as one of the greatest shooters, if not the greatest shooter to ever play the game. So, yeah, I, I would say Seth. I mean, Steph is the only one that really stands out from, you know, ex-NBA players that became stars. Dell wasn't even a star. Right. He was an all-star, what, two years? So. And honestly, he shouldn't have been an all-star, honestly. I, I remember him on Charlotte. He, he jumped around. He played for like four or five different NBA teams. He wasn't an elite player. Yeah, I, I, I'm surprised that he was an All Star two or three years that he played in the All Star game. So, yeah, but Steph Curry, you're absolutely right, Carl. Steph Curry definitely is one, one player that really stands out from an ex NBA. Also, uh, Thompson, his father played in the NBA as oh, well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Michael Thompson. Yeah. Yes. That's true. So, Clay Thompson is better than his father as well. So, another another ex you know ex NBA player son becomes an NBA player and becomes a star. So, Clay Thompson's better than his father too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, there are players, and obviously, both play for Golden State, but Slash uh, Brothers. Yeah. So. I, I, but it, it's very rare when you see an ex NBA. I'm talking about NBA star, right. an elite player, Michael Jordan, uh, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal was obviously on the Lakers this year. I think he played for the Lakers for a little bit. Yeah, his son. You know, yeah, sweet. so, <clears throat> and he had heart problems, by the way. Right. Yeah, um, I remember that. But I, I mean, if you look at all these great. NBA players. I'm talking about elite, best of the best, Hall of Fame worth. None of them, none of them, you know, had sons that came behind them and became Hall of Famers or became elite players in the NBA. Really, none of them. Right. So, Del, Del uh, Curry is not a Hall of Famer. No. So, and he'll never be a Hall of Famer, but his son will. So, oh, yeah. easily. Uh, so, by the way, we're returning back from Thanksgiving and we have the guy on the phone that still hasn't brought us our dinner. Oh, Kenny, <laughs> what's up, man? I was about to send you a message saying, don't you have a caller? <laughs> What's up, Kenny? What's up? I, uh, you were talking about Odell Beckham, and that's why I wanted to talk about, among other things. What would you like to talk about? Uh, who do you think he's going to select? He has a few teams fighting over him. I think he goes to the Cowboys because they have the best chance of winning. Uh, it was the Rams for a little while, and now the Rams are on a playoff team. Matthew Stafford is not coming back this year, so let's let's cut the Rams out. The, the Minnesota Vikings would be a very good fit. You put him on the other side with Jefferson and Thielen in the slot, I mean, forget it. I mean, that would be a, a really nice fit for him. Um, are any of these teams going to be able to beat the Eagles even with him? Probably not. If you put Odell Beckham with the Cowboys, yeah, I, I – I, I don't know if the Cowboys are going to beat beat the Eagles flat out. San Francisco has a chance to beat the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. Easily. I mean, uh, to, to beat uh, the Eagles? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. San Francisco, with the talent they have, with Christian McCaffrey, and, and, and obviously uh, a, healthy, a healthy team behind Jimmy Garoppolo, they have weapons all over the field now. Hayuk and, and obviously Dabo, uh, Debo, Debo Samuel. Yeah. I mean, they have weapons, and their offensive line is healthy now. They have one of the best uh, left tackles in football. He was the best left tackle in football. He's back. Their their line's playing well, and now their defense is almost at full strength. That defense right. was it wasn't even one hundred percent healthy. Was a top ten defense this year. Now they are healthy. They're number Joey one Bosa. in like eight different. Categories, I mean, uh, Nick so, Bosa. Yeah. Who do you think is going to offer Mister Junior the most amount of money? 
Mr. Junior, who, Odell, Odell Beckham? Dallas. I think the Dallas yeah. Cowboys will extend him. I, I don't think any other team, including the Giants, if the Giants bring him in, he, they're only going to sign him for this year. They're not going to extend him because uh, they still have uh. to see how healthy he is. Cowboys, I could see Jerry Jones saying, you know what, we'll bring you in and we'll give you an extra year. We'll pay you. We'll, for the rest of the year, we'll give you seven. And then next year, we'll give you 14, 15. And we'll bring you back next year as our number one guy. And, and CD will be our number two. So I, I think that it would be the Cowboys, and he has the best chance to win with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. And do I think the Cowboys have a chance to win if they land Odell Beckham? Yeah, I do. I, I think the NFC is so wide open. I don't trust Minnesota. I don't think they're very good defensively. As good as they are up front this year in certain aspects of the game, especially you saw it against the Patriots. Yeah, I've seen them not be good either. The, the, they, they, they play pretty well defensively against that running game for the Patriots. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to see them do it against an elite team. They couldn't do it against the Eagles. They couldn't beat the Eagles. They're an elite team. Uh, have they played San Francisco this year? No. I, they haven't played San Francisco. I want to see them okay, beat. I did call up to talk about something else. I'm sorry? I did call up to talk about something else. What is that? Oh. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, I know. So, I don't think you guys have a countdown show, right? No. How would you like one? Coming this playoffs on your network, starring myself and a few others like Joe Boone. Starring yourself, mm-hmm. countdown shows. Are you are you going to have a co-host that's a goose? If it's I a goose, a uh, could you have a live goose in the other chair? As no, I mean I already got a guy I do it with on Monday and Thursday. All right, but you have to have a goose. It has to be a goose as your pet mascot. <laughs> I'm not going show. to get a goose. Why? Just uh, get a guy, get a or get a guy who's a ventriloquist who could talk goose. Yeah, well, get an organic goose. <laughs> yeah. I know, I'll make goose sounds. All right, all right, <laughs> all right. Yeah, so so we we bring you on for a football. Uh, you know, countdown show. Why not? It'd be very, very funny. Yeah, I'd uh, say if you you don't have to pay anybody yet. If you don't like it, if it's not a good show for the network, you don't have to buy it. You like it, then you can buy it. You cool. want me? To, you so you want me to? You want us to pay money? For you want you to me to pay yourself? you to do a countdown no, show? Like you don't have to buy in yet. This is kind of a trial run. That's all. No, oh, I can't wait to hear this. Okay. We could talk about it. It's it's definitely interesting, uh, you know, to hear you on a radio show with whoever you bring on. I just think you need a mascot. I think it'd be very, very funny. How about bringing <laughs> Snug the Cat as your mascot? I, I think Hell Snug, yeah. I, I think Snug the Cat. I, I think Snug would person. be a perfect mascot for your show. He'll Hell meow yeah. and everything. He'll purr. Uh, Sundays at noon once the playoffs begin. All right, let's do it. You have to talk to Snug. But if you can get Snug to be on your show, All right. it's a winner I'll for you. And we know each other on Twitter. That's right. All right. Snug. Yes, with your, uh, with your great and amount Kenny. of followers. Yes. Right. If you watch Booney's show, the, the in guy said he would be in, the guy from Canada. Okay. Wait, I, I like Booney. Let's go Canada. So uh, it'll be 9 a.m. where he is. That's the Green Bay Packers fan? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hey, he's a yeah. nice kid. He's a nice kid. But no, you no, have Joe's to. Joe's a Green Bay Packers fan. I, uh, I don't know if Eng likes. America, if he likes any football teams, he, he, he does, they do picks. You have to have a mascot. You need a snug, you need a, I'll even let you get Jeff, as long as Jeff is common collective and he doesn't curse on the show. All right, man. I mean, I don't mind Patriot fans. That's right. Mm, interesting. And, and by the way, Jeff says a Kenny show is still better than Tyler. So <laughs> what? Uh, no, he, he says that you're better than Tyler. I mean, it'll, <laughs> he laughs, he giggles. Kenny, any other All questions right, before we let you go? 
Uh, oh, and I think uh, I know what if I win the bet, right? Which it's now even, so I may lose, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. If I win the bet, I like a Giants rookie or anybody on the Stern staff to have lunch with. Okay. It could be Kaplan. And, 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 could be freaking John Hine. Anybody. Okay. It wouldn't have to be the big guy. Okay. And of course if, not. And if I win, what do I get? Big old Thanksgiving dinner with your whole staff. Anybody else you want to invite? That's right. Well, didn't we make another bet that you would dress up like a female? Didn't we say that? I don't remember hearing that. <laughs> there was definitely a dress up. I don't remember. What it, was it was a dress but... up. It was a dress up. We might have to go was back. It like and... Santa Claus or something? I don't know, but we we'll I don't think so. I think it was I, something. I would not fun. have agreed to dress up like a female. <laughs> I don't think maybe, you would be a good looking female. To, maybe it was agreed to dress up like a goose. <laughs> maybe you actually dress up like a goose, right? You know, if you if you could find a goose costume and you do a show in a goose costume, I that sells to me, man. That would sell to me. So if you could do okay. that, okay, all right, yeah, I'll do that. You, you're going to, you're I'm going not with... doing the first show in a goose costume. Well, I, I'm interested. Oh, I do the Super Bowl show in a goose costume. Good. All right, all right. I would like to see you in a goose costume. So, all right, I don't know when that's going to be. If I have to leave, it's going to be around two. If I stay local, it'll probably be around four. All right, all right, Ken. Thank yeah. you for calling, bud. All right, thanks for saying yeah. If you said no, I don't think it's right for a network, then I would have pitched another idea later. I've got more than one idea. No, I, I like it. I, I'm, you need, But you need a mascot. You need a Jeff. You need a Snug. You need a Goose. You need something. Okay. You need a mascot. I, I understand that you're going to bring your team of guys, but we need All something right, if you funny. you want to take a check out, meaning the current co-hosts, check out the Thursday night 6 o'clock game on AMP. Well, we talk about the Pats and the Bills. Hell yeah. I, mm-hmm. We need we need a mascot, though. We need somebody if funny. You, if you do a show at Snug, you need it to be like a cat-goose hybrid. Yes. No, I'm saying like, uh, so check out the one of the guys that's on the oh, team. Oh, and by the way, if you if you lose that bet, you have to wear that goose costume and you got to run with the geese. Ah, and nice. we have to get a video of you doing that, too, by the way. You have to do yeah, that. Yeah, you have well, to do that before you might get blocked again by your YouTube. No, page. you don't post it up on YouTube, <laughs> so you get yourself into trouble. But you need to have somebody actually videotape I don't, I don't, you. I just sit with the geese in the outfit. How about uh, that? Uh, that's that's good as long as you're feeding them and uh, you're hanging out with your boys. All right, and I'll feed them bread. They right. love bread. All right, they love bread and they'll love you if you you're dressed up as a goose. Okay. All right. Thank you for taking the call. All right, Kenny. I love you, man. Kenny right, guys, I love you. from Upstate, man. Fantastic. White Plains Kenny. That's right. He is fantastic. You know, I, I definitely have to see how he, he sets up his show. He is a very unique individual, and uh, he likes to uh, <laughs> make Kenny wear a beeve costume. That would be interesting, too. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there's any beeve costumes. So could, could we make a costume for beeve? I mean, would uh, it work? Yeah, I guess it could work. With all the, all, I don't know. Every, everything we've ever done or ever, everything we ever called him in the past. I, it I'm would sure, be interesting. I'm sure the beef would really be the easiest it one. It would be. I mean, <laughs> I mean, two very different personalities. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. Uh, so. Snug also says, Kenny in a goose costume, Lyle in a peacock costume, Earl in a Patriots jersey, and Speedy in a Cowboys jersey. Yeah, don't uh, remind me. That would be me. painful. Don't remind me about the Patriots jersey. That would be painful. That I was... did look good in the Patriots jersey, by the way. I, I've seen the pictures. I, I did look good. I, I didn't like the fact that it was a Tom Brady jersey, and I didn't like the fact that I had to do it when I lost a bet by it, really the last minute of the game when I had a chance to get the beeve to wear a woman's dress, high heels, lipstick, and dress all 
up, you know, on a radio show, and I lose because of Jimmy Garoppolo with 30 seconds left of the game and a field goal kick, what was it, 50-some-odd yards? Yeah, it just snuck in. Robbie Gold got it right against the, bear, against the Bears, against the it former team. It pissed me off. snuck in there. It pissed me off. Yeah, and way. I had to wear a Cowboys jersey after, uh, after the Seahawks, who never lose in the first round of the playoffs, finally decide to do so. <laughs> Which was not ideal. What are your thoughts to Matt LaFleur? Actually, you know, it's so interesting with Matt LaFleur um, saying that he might rule out shutting down, might rule shutting down Aaron Rodgers for the rest of the season because he has an oblique injury and a thumb injury. He has had this thumb injury for the last five weeks. He has not been 100% for the last five weeks. But because they're still in playoff contention, they want to play their best player. They're still in playoff contention right now, but very slightly. But they're in playoff contention. They could still actually make the playoffs. They could. Are they going to make the playoffs? Probably not. And do you protect Aaron Rodgers going into the offseason and, 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 and figure out if Jordan Love is the guy? I, what I saw in, in the fourth quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles is I, I think Jordan Love is figuring it out. I think he, he could be a good quarterback in the league moving forward. And, and if you, you figure him out and he is the quarterback of the future of this organization with the last five, six games of the season, well, then you can move on from Aaron Rodgers. Then you could decide in the offseason, you know what, let's try to get back as much as we can for Aaron Rodgers. Let's trade him to a team that's a playoff, you know, a Super Bowl contender and get as many draft picks as we possibly can for him. Now, Aaron Rodgers, let's say, Aaron Rodgers going to the Patriots. Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. Aaron Rodgers going to Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans. You know what I mean? These teams are quality teams that are maybe a quarterback away from being a contender. You know, so you you look at even – how about this? San Francisco. He's always oh, wanted yeah. to play for San Francisco. Uh-huh. Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is gone. He decides to go to free agency and try to get a bigger contract. And, and maybe San Francisco because we all know they don't trust their young quarterback yet. And he might not be at 100% going into the season next year. Yeah, the question so, is will they have enough draft picks, though? They and Trey Lance. Away. And I don't think Trey Lance is the answer over there for the 49ers either. And are they going to part ways for Kyle Shanahan? Kyle Shanahan, so far, has proven that he's a winning coach. So bringing in Aaron Rodgers, that might be the missing piece with, obviously, Christian McCaffrey, who's still under contract. Uh uh, Debo Samuel, who just just got a lot of money in the offseason. Hayuk, I think, is is still one year away from yeah, being a free agent. Yeah, he's got to get paid next year. Yeah. So this is still a, a quality team that's bringing back practically all their players. You bring Aaron Rodgers over there, uh, you can win a Super Bowl. So, I, I mean, Green Bay has to decide, are they, are they ready to move on from Aaron Rodgers? And how are you going to know that unless you play – a guy like uh, you know Jordan Love, and and Jordan Love showed me one thing: he is definitely good. he's definitely comfortable in the pocket. He trusts his ability in the pocket. So let's see what he can do. Let's see what he can do for the rest of the season. If he wins three out of the five games that are left, you, you see he has a good rapport with Watson. Watson looks like he's going to be a star. Maybe you you go into the offseason saying, you know what, Matt Lafleur, young coach. You 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 wanted you you wanted this kid. You wanted Jordan Love. You you went after him in the first round. You moved up in the first round to get him. So maybe we part ways with Aaron, and he's got one year left in the contract, fifty million, and uh, we can trade him for a significant amount of draft stock, and maybe for this year's draft, where they can help build uh, a good young, talented offense to move forward with Jordan Love. So there's a lot of questions that have to be answered, and only. Matt LaFleur and the Green Bay Packers organization can answer.
Uh, by the way, we have Jeff calling. Would you want me to put him through? Yeah, or? put him through. All righty. Jeff, what's up, man? Why is why is Aaron Rodgers not uh, to the Jets not in the conversation? I did bring that. No, up. he brought up the Jets. The Patriots were the first team he brought up. Then the Jets, the Titans. The I 49ers. did bring that up. I did. Well, yeah, the Patriots could be an option. Although mm-hmm. you know, uh, the talk here in Tampa is a Patriots reunion with Tom Brady. Oh, that's wow. like a mm. that's like that's like a been talked about. But uh, you know, who knows? But the Aaron Rodgers to the Jets makes perfect sense. And I know this will upset Errol. Okay, I know this will upset you. But it feels like, if you just hang with me for a second, the Jets situation feels a lot like the Washington Commanders where, okay, Mike White played great, played terrific. Nothing wrong with Mike White. But he feels like they're Taylor Heineke where they don't really want to use them. They only use them when they're forced to because their starter kept crapping out. So they keep looking for a guy, apparently. Why not Aaron Rodgers? Here's another team, the Raiders. Uh, Derek Carr is a free agent after this year. They could decide he's not. to. He just, he, he's I, not. He's I, just, I, he just. I know, but they could part ways with him. They can actually drop him, and it's not going to affect their cap. It's not going it to really hurt their, their cap. He just signed that contract. It was huge. I don't think he he just signed that. He signed contract. an extension last year, but but what was the extension? Right. How, how how long four, was the extension? Four years. Four, four, four years. Three, four three years. years. Was it three years? I'm pretty sure I it was three it was like years. Four, I thought it was like four years and 130 million or something. I, I think this is his second year of the three-year contract. It, it, no, it was just an extension, dude. Let, let's he signed it. Uh, one year, one year, twenty-five million dollars uh, with a potential out. So they're they're going to they're going to drop him at the end of this year. They're not it, bringing it, it back. It would be five point six two five million a dead cap. Yeah, they're they're going to drop him in the off season. And and if Josh McDaniels comes back, you have Adams over there. You add Aaron Rodgers over there with the Raiders. You, you're a Super Bowl contender right off the bat. Right off the bat with Adams over there and with Waller yeah. and the weapons that they have. Renfro, uh, the the defense needs to be fixed. But yeah, and Josh McDaniels' coaching needs to be fixed. They too, have but. they still have money even with Adams there and they bring in Aaron Rodgers. They're they're going to have to give away some picks, of course, so, to bring him in. But, but the, I, the I think Jets it could make be a good more fit. sense yes. because they're more ready to they're more ready to win with their defense. The Jets have a good defense. Yes. So. So it's like they're more ready. Look, if you think that just putting Aaron Rodgers in a situation makes a team better, yeah, to a degree, but he's not going to make the Raiders so much better that they're a Super Bowl contender. They have far more problems than just Derek Carr. Mm. Right. And you you might be right. It, it, maybe the Jets are the perfect fit for him. They have Bruce Hall coming back, the running game that they have, the offensive line, uh, the young Elijah Vera Tucker coming back next year. Uh, you, you do have Brown coming back, and and you Mackay Beckham could be a hundred percent healthy, and they, maybe they add other pieces to that that line. And and the defense being as good as it is, yeah, they they with the weapons that they have, the youth that they have with Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and all the the weapons that they, yeah. Aaron Rodgers would be a perfect fit over there. But will the Jets be willing to give up the picks to bring in Aaron Rodgers? Well, they have them. But does it feel to you a little bit like the Jets are kind of like the Commanders just in the quarterback sense? They're better. Yeah, they're better than the Commanders. I'm not talking about the whole football team. I'm talking about the situation with the the quarterback where where they, they had Heineke. He played well. Right, which Mike White did at times last year too, mm-hmm. but they, they still don't go with Mike White. 
and and the commanders still searched and went and got Carson Wentz when Heineken was still sitting there. Yep. And now Mike White is clearly the best quarterback on that run. Zach Wilson may never play again for the, for the Jets ever again. It, it could happen. And, and it, it all depends on these next two games, Minnesota and Buffalo. If they lose both of these games, you will see Zach Wilson after that. I think they play the Lions. I don't think that that's really the barometer, though, if you lose. Because if, if they lose, say, like, look, the Bills got a good offense. If they lose to the Bills 34-31, mm-hmm. Mike White's going nowhere. Yeah, he put up thirty-one points. He's no, not going anywhere. Even I, if he takes a loss, he's not going anywhere. But if you lose back-to-back games, you, the way Robert Sala is going to look at it, he's going to say, "I want to see what this kid has. Do we have to move on from this kid in the off-season?" And they're ha- they, they have to know decide they need to move on from him. I maybe they do, but again. Uh, the organization as a whole. Remember, two years ago, they they thought this guy was the quarterback of the future of this organization. Now, all of a sudden, after a year and a half, and we've heard Josh Allen, we've seen, we've heard other quarterbacks on podcasts say that you have to give this guy at least three years to decide what he is and what he's not. You, you can't just part ways with him unless you know for a fact, unless you know for a fact he doesn't fit in this organization. Of course, you can walk away from him. Teams have done it before. You know, I'm gonna in a year and a half. Less than a year and a half. When? Less than Who? a year and a half. A top three quarterback. Wait. Who? It's not a top three quarterback, but it's middle of the first round. I, I, I'm, t- I'm talking about a top five quarterback. Tell me the last team that after a year and a half I, I decided mean, to part ways with them. I mean, I mean, it's happened twice in the last few years. Maybe not top three, but close enough. You got Dwayne Haskins. The 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 Commanders kicked him out real quick. Yeah, he's number sixteen. He wasn't even a top ten quarterback. That's great. It doesn't matter. He was still a first round draft. Yes, but but you're talking about a top Jeff. You're talking about a top five quarterback. Top five pick. What about the seventh pick or eighth pick or whatever he was? Josh they Rosen, walked away yeah. from Josh Rosen pretty quick. I think the only quarterback I could say that within a year and a half that parted the team parted ways was Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. It was like it mid. No, he even played a few years. Did he, he play? Did he play? I think I thought. I thought they gave up with them second year for like three three or four years. I think. Yeah, but I think they gave up on him in the second year. They kept bringing him back and bringing him back, but I think they gave up on him after the the second year. Top three doesn't matter. Like the the commanders uh, at the time uh, drafted. Haskins to be the be the guy and be the replacement. Doesn't matter where where you were picked. First round is first round. That would be like if the Bears gave up on Justin Fields right now. Wouldn't that be shocking to you? A guy that was I think they were drafted the same position. Eleven. He was at eleven. Rosen was at ten. And and they traded up for him. And they gave up two first round draft picks for him. Right, but Haskins was the same way because if you remember that draft, there was only two quarterbacks in that draft and there was only two teams that were gonna take a quarterback in that draft. That was the year after the Darnold Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Alan, Josh Lamar, Allen, yeah. right, right. That Lamar Jackson. Draft. So no one, right. So no one needed a quarterback. He was a top two quarterback in that draft, and mm-hmm. they said, "You're out of here, buddy." I, Which I, feels like what the what the Jets should do. I think it's probably the right thing to walk away from him. I can't. You, Did you, you see him pouting on the bench? Yes, I saw oh, it. I, I spoke about it in the beginning. My monologue in the beginning of the show. I thought he he wasn't working with the other quarterbacks. You could see all the other quarterbacks, Trevler and and then obviously uh, even Flacco. When 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 Mike White was walking off the field, Flacco was holding his his coat, put his coat right on him. It, it, that's something that Zach Wilson should have done. I mean, you're a team player. You want to show your team you're a team player. And you showed 
even even some of the players that you're not. And then you then you really see how the team reacted at the end of the game. They were jumping, they were dancing when he was being interviewed. Uh, they were right behind him, you know, you know, showing their muscles, dancing around, patting him on the back. I mean, you could see that the team is rooting for him. Where every single time Zach Wilson was in the game this year, were they actually rooting for him? Elijah Moore wanted to be traded. Maybe the reason why Elijah Moore wanted to be traded was Zach Wilson. And then Zach oh, Wilson apologized. And then he apologized. It was. They asked him that question. They were like, what was the question they asked him where they were where uh, he said something like, I'm going to get the quote wrong, obviously, but it, it was something like, uh, you know, do you think Zach Wilson saw when you were open? He's like, well, I haven't been getting the ball much, so I can't tell you what he's thinking. And Garrett Wilson even apologized, throwing Zach Wilson under the bus. And I like Garrett Wilson. He, he's very respectable. You could see the kid's going to be a sp- – he's going – he's very special. He's going to be a star in this league. If he, do, 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 do you notice it's all the guys I told you were going to be good are the ones that are good? It's almost like I knew something. Well, he, he he's very special. And – uh, even with the quarterback, and who, was, and who was and who was my top wide receiver in that draft? He was everybody's top wide receiver. In no, he wasn't. List. People had Jamison Williams. People had old dude. He wasn't even the top Ohio State wide receiver. I talked to you on the phone when you were like Olave is going to be better. Well, for, no well I didn't say Olave was going to be better. I said Garrett Wilson was the best quarter, the best um, best wide receiver in this draft class. I said it. I liked Olave. I, I didn't. And Olave's having a good season. He's having and a really good season. What about Sauce being the boss? You were right. And, and Sauce is the best. Right now, if you really look at the whole season as a whole right now, Sauce Garner is the top three corner in the league. And and by and, the way, Zayvon Collins got robbed of an interception this week. I saw Absolutely it. Absolutely robbed. I saw it. Leave it to the, <laughs> leave it to the referees <laughs> trying to save the Chargers. <laughs> did he catch that football? Yeah, I he did. So. He did. And wow. he had his hand under it when he landed on the ground. I would agree wow. with you. I thought it was funny. And I said, I bet you Jeff's going no. to be crying about this one. I But, again – it is what it is, and and the Cardinals' wow. defense has been absolutely horrible this year. With all those By number way, one picks, Collins has been playing very good football. Yeah, right. no, the linebackers aren't really there. Well, come issue. on, Jeff, the run defense and the what we've seen in the first two years. Do you really think Zayvon Collins is not a bust? I, I mean, no, honestly, he's, no, he's not. No, he's is he a first a round draft still, pick? Yes, he was. I, I don't know. Yes, I, I've was. watched him enough this year. I, I, he, he's dis, he's he's a starting linebacker in the NFL, bro. What do you want? He's not a bench player. He's starting. Mm-hmm. He had a rookie season where he didn't play a ton. There was a guy ahead of him. Jordan and the Hicks, Cardinals, yeah. and the Cardinals just cut him to make Zayvon Collins a first, uh, a second year starting linebacker. Mm-hmm. That's working out. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. That's working. I, I just he disappears in games. I, I there are games that you know, you don't even know he's he on the he, he's not on the field. Dude, I mean, when you watch, you when you watch, assignments are. What, even even if you watch Quincy Quincy Williams play, and, and I'm not going to say Mosley because Mosley's on a whole nother level. But if you look at Quincy Williams, every single play you see him in the play, you it's see Williams. No, no, Quincy, Quincy, no, Quincy is, his Quincy is the, the linebacker for the Jets. Oh, the linebacker. Yes, okay. he's all over the place. You see him all over the tackles right. and everything. But he's not right, but he's not on every play. You don't know what. First oh. of all, you don't know what defenses they're they're calling, and you don't know what his coverage is. And I understand that, you know but you, but Speedy, do you not see him in almost every every single do play? You, he's right. all over the place. Do you know why he's not doing a lot of that though? Too is because 
he's the guy that covers the running back out of the backfield. Dude runs like a deer. Yeah, watch Quincy Williams run. I mean, you think he runs like a deer? Watch that guy play. I'm and telling, I'm by the you, way, you, biggest you keep running around saying that he's a bust. I, I, he is not a bust. I, I, I didn't say he's a bust. I said you did. You no, just said I, I, I asked you. I asked you, do you think he's a bust in no, the first he's round? Definitely not a bust in the first round. No. I, I mean, I think if he was a second, robbing him from more stats, that was an interception, and they took it away from him. If he was a second LA round draft pick, it's finest. if he was a second round draft pick, I would say, yeah, he he he's played well for a second round draft pick. As a first round, mid first round draft pick, I don't know, man. He disappears problem, in a lot of problem, games. The problem is, is you think that everyone should be guaranteed these things? No, Some people are more projects than others. Oh, I'll tell I, you what, David Collins belongs more in the league than Zach Wilson does. You're probably right. And Quincy Williams was what, a third or fourth round draft pick? Honestly, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm not saying this as a Jet fan. If you would ask me right now, who would I want, Zayvon Collins or Quincy Williams? I'm taking Quincy Williams. I'm taking him. Right. The problem with what you're doing I'm is. Just, just saying the, the truth here. The, right. The problem with what you're doing is they had a choice in the draft. I think they were in the same draft, weren't they? No, they no. were a year apart. He was a year apart. Quincy Williams was the Jaguars in 2020. Right, but this is what I'm saying. Some guys can work out later in rounds and other guys. I mean, dude, if you had Boy, to do the, the Jaguars, over, don't you think Damian Harris would be drafted higher than the I thought he should have been round? at the time. I remember yeah. that. Boy, are the Jaguars probably smacking themselves on the head, just letting him go. Quincy Williams. Oh, that's the Jaguars. By the way, way, very very quietly, because I argued this with you as well. Do you know who the best quarterback in the league is? The entire league, all quarterbacks. Best quarterback in the league the last month. Who's the best quarterback? Tua. Trevor Lawrence. Ooh. Well, listen, yeah, Trevor has him ranked number one in the last four weeks, and, and he'll be and even is, and he'll be even better next year because there, there's a wide receiver that they traded for at the trade deadline. We'll be back next year from Atlanta, mm-hmm. and everybody knows who he is. Right? Yeah, of of course. But this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. I always say about everybody, and true with Jets players and everything. Right? Situation is the most important part of the draft. Right? And getting drafted by Urban Meyer, horrible situation. Yeah, horrible. And now that that clown show isn't there, best quarterback in the league the last month. He's improving. I, I'm yeah. interested to see what he does at the end of the year and where his numbers are. But, yeah, he's a, he's expected to be an elite quarterback. Everybody who called him the next Andrew Luck, Peyton Manning. Let's see what he is as the season progressively moves forward. They have weapons. They do. Christian Kirk, uh, definitely a guy that a lot of people made fun of when they gave him that $76 million. Speedy yeah, was one of them. I was, I was one of them. Was, yeah. A lot of people thought it was crazy giving him the money that he he got. But and, and not for nothing, another thing, PFF's number one wide receiver in the league of uh, catches over 20 yards. A lot of people won't get this one either. Zay Jones? Zay Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Zay Jones. Mm-hmm. So they have their deep threat. They have their you know possession receiver in in Christian Kirk. Yo, they get Calvin Ridley. Look out. That's Look a, out he's bro. a really good route runner. Oh, Calvin yeah. Ridley, so. And Calvin Ridley. And they got him for nothing. So, I mean, Atlanta gave him up for nothing. So, again, next year will be an interesting year. Peterson, I think, is is the right coach. He's won a Super Bowl. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles gave up on him. Maybe they were right. Maybe they're wrong. But you see you see where they are right now, both teams. And I, I think the Jaguars are a year, a year away from being a team that could absolutely win that division. That division is so open. We don't know what Indianapolis is going to be next year. Who's that going, Who's going to be their coach? Is it Jeff Saturday or are they going somewhere else? And, and Tennessee, 
let's be honest. Tannehill gone, or maybe they bring in an Aaron Rodgers. They were interested in Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Maybe they, maybe Tennessee is a team that could go after Aaron Rodgers. But who does he have to throw to? I mean, that team's going nowhere. Yeah, that team's going nowhere I, I don't though, think they're any good. I don't think they're any no, good. No, 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 no. That's, they're a good no, defensive gonna, team. Right, but that's what's going to make them good for years to come because they are one of the best defensive teams. And and even if they're getting minimum production, which they are on offense, they'll figure it out because they just drafted that wide receiver that I think is a bum out of Arkansas. That uh, Trey Burks, Burks, Burks yeah, who I likes too. Yeah, he is a look I, good. I think he's a bum. Yeah, he hasn't looked good so far, except for the Packers game. That's really it so far. But they traded away all their wide receivers, and and did, and they're still winning. So I don't know what to tell you. It, it's got to be because they play defense. They're probably yeah. not going to go anywhere. It's, the by Titans the way, have always had this problem too. They tended to draft a lot of big bodied receivers, and it hasn't worked out for by, them. By the way, Carl uh, Kirk is on the Jaguars, not the Lions. Oh, we don't want to hear from Carl in Michigan. They're about to get slapped by Georgia again. <laughs> Jesus Christmas! Wait, ja- wait, that means you're implying they're actually going to make the national championship game. Oh, they no, they no, yeah, they they definitely will. They'll beat up TCU. Georgia is going to absolutely body bag Caleb Williams and that terrible <laughs> offensive line. It's going to be a bloodbath. Body bag, and you won't even be able to tell because their jerseys are red. <laughs> yeah, that defense for USC is really concerning. I would not trust right. them. Body Michigan, bag, dude. I will give Michigan credit. They are a lot better. Yes. than I thought they mm-hmm. were going to be. They, Great running game too. What's that? Great running game. They, they really do. Not really. Not really. They got Corum and nobody else. Corum's playing great. He's a he's great fantastic. running back, but not yeah. Heisman Trophy well, candidate. Right, but we'll see how we'll see how it is going forward because he's hurt. Yeah. yeah. Speedy, I want you to reach out because he's been on a lot of shows. Reach out to Corum. See if he'll come on the show. Okay. I, I think he'd be great. Mm-hmm. I, he's been I've listened to a bunch of people interview him. He's got a good personality. He's very funny, and I, I think he'd be there's very one good. player on their team I love. I love a dude for I, I I can't I'm surprised that I actually love a dude from Michigan. Love him. Mm. Mike Sanristil. Yes. Mm. Pride of Everett High School, Everett, Massachusetts. Mm. Love Mike Sanristil. Well now there's a guy that should have gone to a Why? Because he's from Boston. <laughs> Not only is he from Boston, but he was a three year wide receiver and just and went to the coach and said, I'll do what's best for the team and now plays defense. And he's probably one of the best defenders in the country. John Jansen was actually talking about when we had him on the show too. A lot of these defense players that have transitioned well with Michigan when they lost a lot last year too. So So it's it's not because he's got Boston blood th- flowing through his veins. It's because no, he... he's unselfish and he's a great player. Uh, but, by the way, John J- mentioned that specifically. By the way, uh, and I'm not arguing with you, um, Carl. Christian Kirk is on the Jags. Yes, he is. Go yes, look Christian it up. Christian Kirk's on the Jags. He's on the Jags. So he's not on the Lions. He says he's not, but he is. He's on the Jags. The Lions receivers Actually, are Amon Ross St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, and Josh Reynolds right now. Yeah, and, when William, and, Will, and Williams when he comes back. Yeah. yeah. He's coming back either this week or next week. Right. No, no, I know. But they, I'm, I'm talking about the ones that have played this season. So and far. he's going to be an absolute jet, too. Mm. Yes, he will. And I mean, like, a flyer. like not. Like I got it. I understand jet. what you're but, saying. I understand yeah, what you're saying. He's going to be an absolute jet out there, dude. He's he looks strong. It, so it's, that, that Lions team could actually be pretty good. Yeah, the Lions will be good, and, and and they have to decide who their quarterback is going to be at the end of the year. Is it, it Goff's going nowhere? You really think so? I I think I think they might go after a quarterback in this year's class. It's or here here's the problem with this. Just look at what's happened. Just recent history. Mm-hmm. If you give up a quarterback, yep. You you don't get one, you don't get one. You're not getting another. Oh, one. I, I trust Carson me. I'm a Jet fan. Out. I know. Right, like Washington or Philly cast off 
uh, Carson Wentz, and they struggled to find one until they got Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts. <laughs> of course. What? He's a, he's an Oklahoma no, quarterback. Uh, there's your daily shot at Alabama. You had your daily shot he, at Michigan. Now you got your uh, no. Alabama. That's not a daily shot. That's a fact. We don't call Joe Burrow Ohio State quarterback that's Joe true. Burrow. Do that's we? true. Yeah, that's fair. No, and and and, and, and again, they them out because they went with Hawaiian Tebow. So they said, "Get out of our school. We don't want you." So and by the way, Hawaiian quarterback Jalen Hurts. And by the way, Hawaiian Tebow is having a very good season. He really is playing better than, better than I yeah, thought. But yeah. he still can't make a ton of throws. No, he's he has to stay healthy in this. And the offensive line, for what we thought they were going to be ranked this year, they're in a the top ten. They're playing very very well. So give <laughs> is, them a lot of credit. Is, is two of the new Dak Prescott. I mean, no, I he's better. remember he's him better. throwing up gang signs in the middle of the field, laying on the ground in Cincinnati. I'll tell you this. Tua is going to cause, uh, if he could stay healthy, he's going to cause a lot of problems in the playoffs. He won't. He won't. Well, they, they've, done a, they've done a better job in terms of making the playbook a lot more attainable so he can stay healthy. The question is the, the issues before at the beginning of the season with those whole concussion protocols. So right, but he won't, stay, he won't stay healthy. He, he was getting hurt every week, and he'll be hurt again. And concussions, they don't go away. No. They multiply. Right. Ask Matthew Wes Stafford. Wes Welker, yeah. There's a lot of them that had a lot of them. It's a shame career, what happened yeah. to Matthew Stafford yeah. this year. He wasn't 100% healthy, and that's why the Rams aren't where they thought they were going to be this year. And they have no draft stock next year. Uh, it's, it's horrible. They, they, here's, the, here's the big problem for Tua with the, with the concussions is if you play wide receiver or you tight end or running back, you know the hit's coming. Quarterbacks sometimes stand there. They don't even see the dude coming. And that's why I think so, you've seen the coaching really adjust to make sure that they have plays designed where he doesn't have as many of those hits ever since that concussion issue. Because really, that's the only blemish so far with their new coaching staff in, in that whole thing. Now, whether it's their fault or not is another question, but it could be ownership too. But still, since he's come back from the injury, they've won all five of their games, and they've done a better, much better job designing they're plays. A different, they're a different team with Tua. I mean, obviously with the weapons that they have in Waddle and obviously Hill, the right. offensive line, even when he wasn't playing, played very well. When they played against the Jets and the Jets smashed them up, that offensive line still was protecting Thompson and, 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 and that, the quarterbacks that they were playing. Tua is, obviously, he has the ability to move outside of the pocket and make throws uh, in ways that other quarterbacks can't. And, and, and again, we all know that Tua has the ability to do the things that he did in college football. The question is, could he stay healthy? And the question also uh, has to be answered is, it, when he gets into the playoffs, is he going to make the plays? Is he going to go out there and put up a game? Uh, we, we've seen this many, many times with the, the, the Miami Dolphins. They've made the playoffs, and it doesn't matter who their quarterback, Dan Marino, Except one year when they went to the Super Bowl, this team is always choked in the playoffs. And so far, we've also seen too where teams have also, if they've taken out one of Waddle or Hill, we've seen Tua have had trouble making the adjustment. The, when they have both of them on, they're scoring thirty-five points a game. But the, even the Steelers, who they beat, like they took out, they took out Waddle. When was the last time they went to the Super Bowl? They went to the Super Bowl was eighty-five. The year you're talking eighty-five. About. Yeah. How how long is that? But, that is 37 years. 37 the Dolphins, years. The Dolphins have a bigger problem, though, with Tua's health. Because of their shady practices, this dude gets a hangnail now. They have to take him out of the game for, for evaluation because they botched it so badly the first time. Mm. Everyone's going to be all over them to have him pulled out of the game. Someone breathes on him. Mm. Right. 
And that's why the coaching staff has really had to make those kinds of adjustments in order to make sure that it doesn't happen again because they'll probably still get investigated anyway. They're getting investigated. Yeah. They're waiting until the offseason, and then they're really looking depth about it. And, and then, uh, obviously, the coaching staff and ownership is going to have to answer to it if they find that they knew that this guy had a concussion before they put him back on the field. Right. So, And I believe they did. I believe oh, they, they, knew. They, they knew he had a concussion. And, and when they investigate it and they find, they find out from the doctors and interview these doctors and the doctors say, well, they're probably paying these doctors. They're probably telling the doctors to keep it quiet. But once the investigation comes and they have to answer questions and they have to put their, their licenses on the line, they're going to open their mouths. And when they do, they're going to be fined and they might lose another draft pick. They're really, they, they have a first-round draft. Yeah, it would be a shame. But, again, it it's protection of your player. This is a quarterback. Honestly, I thought he was dead when he got hit. And, and, and by the way, can we stop including the Dallas Cowboys in any conversation that remotely includes the Super Bowl? This is getting out of control now, where <laughs> every year, oh, Dallas is so good. Dude, they're out in the first round. They'll get beat, and it'll be a whole other thing. Oh, they had the most talent, though. Well, if they play the 49ers, I think that'll be the case. I mean, they beat the Vikings already. They blew them out. Would that happen again is another question. We'll see. And then uh, whoever wins the NFC South, probably Dallas. It's really the 49ers and Eagles. Those are the teams to beat in the NFC. I, I wouldn't. I'm going to say this, and I know that you're going to be an asshole about this whole thing. I also wouldn't count out Tampa because they are getting better. If they figure out how to get their offensive line playing better and a little healthy with that cast of wide receivers, they're still going to be a tough out. Well, Jansen is supposed to come back soon, isn't he? Uh, is, uh, yeah, is he supposed to come back? Maybe, three weeks maybe later, but they yeah. just lost, lost Worfs for like a month. Yeah, they did. Yes. Worfs is on IR. And I thought it was worse. Season. I thought it was worse than, than it, you know, when he got pulled and he, he got pulled off the field by the stretcher. I thought he was done for the season. I thought he tore his ACL. The fact that he's only out for a month is surprising. But it as really a result, not the knee, it's the ankle, though. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was his knee, the way he was holding his knee. Ankle. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But if they can't get some level of a running game, too, we've seen a lot of teams be able to take away one of Evans or Godwin, and their offense really hasn't been as good either. And that's in addition to the injuries they have with their tight ends. And nobody's putting down – if Tom Brady makes the and, – and, and he was on a podcast just this week, and a lot of pe the, the two guys that were interviewing him asked him, uh, what are your plans at the end of the season? And he says, I'm just happy to play right now. He doesn't want to give any answer. But honestly – he could play another year. He has 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, and he has 3,000 yards. If, if Tom Brady wants to play another year, he could. He could if he and wants. And that's all with every receiver dropping every ball he throws. Him. Oh, yeah. I mean. I've I, never it, seen Mike Evans so bad with the drops he's had this year. Mike Evans right, has had a horrible this is what season. I'm saying. If they kind of get right and get on the same page. And look, admittedly, and I'm a Brady fan, they haven't looked good. They haven't. It's not It's not looking good. But they're still probably going to get into the playoffs because that division is terrible. Okay. And, and, and just based off of history, how do you ever count Tom Brady out? Are you worried about their defense at all, Jeff? Because since Shaq Barrett got hurt, they haven't White had the same level as the pass White I love the linebackers. Yeah, the inside yeah. linebackers their are the best duo in the league. But... Is their defense great? No. But it's been fine. And look, they should have beaten Cleveland. They should have. They gave that game away. That's not on the defense. That's the offense doing nothing. And uh, Todd Bowles not realize, knowing how to manage the clock properly. I can't believe you, they lost that game, by until, the way. Do you realize until the last four minutes of the fourth quarter, unless they had a drive that scored a touchdown, it was a three and out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Classic Todd Bowles not knowing how to clock manage. Right, but – 
think about that. You you didn't pick up a single first down on a drive that like stalled or anything. No, three and out every time that you didn't score a touchdown. Right. That was like the that was like the Packers in the playoff game last year. I think they only had one first down in the second half, and you're not right, gonna be able so to close the game not, that way. Right. So that's not a defense problem. That's an offense problem. Yes, it, it is. And but but did you see that David Nojoku catch? Oh yeah. <laughs> That was, oh, was great. That was fan. Yeah. That was fantastic, man. I, I that was the that was the second best catch a tight end made in in that week of the NFL season. It was fantastic. Hunter Henry made the first best one, but again, because the NFL can't tell what's a catch, they disallow. <laughs> Colin no, no, Hunter yeah, Henry. If, if Hunter Henry was on the Chargers, still he probably would have. They would have called that a catch because that's what they, they love to do. They love to protect I mean, the LA teams. Did you see teams. that Hunter Henry catch that was a touchdown? Yes. yes. That uh-huh. was incomplete. Right. Catch or no catch? Mm-hmm. That was a catch. His hand was under the ball. That was a catch. And and again, I'm not but saying I'm that not the reference. But I'm not one to blame the Wefawees. I'm not <laughs> minded like other people. It, but that David Njoku catch, fantastic. That was unbelievable. When I saw him catch that with one arm, I first of all, he got bigger. He got bigger than he was last year. I mean, that guy is built like an ox, man. He is He's thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. I'm I'm dude, he he's a big dude, man. He is a big, big dude. He's a scary looking dude. He you really know where is. he went to college? Miami. Mm-hmm. Not the University of Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, thank you for calling, bud. Hey, did you see the whole thing with John Kitt and his kid too, by the way? No. Oh, what happened there? Arrested. Oh, jeez. <laughs> for child porn. Oh, come on. Kid, well, hold on, hold on. John Jalen Kitna, Jalen Kitna, quarterback of the University of Florida, arrested today. Oh, my God. Really? Wasn't that the same problem that, like, big-name baseball player had a couple years ago, too? Yeah, there's been a bunch of them that have had this this issue. But what is it with the University of Florida? I mean, can Tebow not keep these people under control? (laughs) You you could take Urban Meyer off of Florida, but you can't take him out of the program completely. (laughs) It's it's like I always tell my friends down here. I go, do you know that Kyle Pitts is the best tight end Florida has ever had that never killed anybody? Yes. Mm. I will say this. I will say this. Being that it's John Kittner's son. He'll find a way. He's got money. He'll find a way to get his son out of this. But he's never going to be a quarterback for a college he football. He probably team won't, considering the police report has a quote from him that says, I thought it was because he posted the pic. Do you know what Discord is? Uh, yes, I know what Discord is. It's uh, Discord's like yes. a website, like a social media site for like gamers and stuff. Yes, you could talk to each other. We, we did that for our network. Um, right. Yeah. So he posted these pictures of these people on his Discord page. Oh, and when man. he got arrested, the quote was, I thought it would be okay because I got those pictures off the internet. Oh, God. So Ugh. having money and getting out of this doesn't seem so likely. Well. John Kittner is going to have to open up his pockets, ladies and gentlemen. Right do, do you guys have a Final Four prediction? Uh, yeah. I, I still think Ohio State will make it. I, I do. They won't. Okay. Well, USC has to win this week. If they don't win, they don't beat Utah. Right, but, right, but just, just assume well, – I mean, are you predicting that, that Utah will beat them for a second time this year? I'm not. I'm not, but could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. I'm just saying I think things stay the same, and I don't think that Ohio State will get voted in because they got stomped by Michigan. Right. And uh, and I realize the, the strength of loss there. Oh, uh, Ohio State only lost to the number two team, and I realize 
Yeah, Utah, USC I think, was 17 when they lost or something. Well, well, but it doesn't matter. They're 15 or 14 now or whatever they yeah. are. Yeah, okay. Right? However, they Ohio State got blown out. Yeah. That's indicative for, of the difference, yeah. And you're forgetting the other equation in this. Pac-12 voters, the universities and chancellors and deans and stuff like that that are on the college football playoff committee, they will vote in a Pac-12 team. Quickly, Jeff, who's the Heisman Trophy winner? Oh, God. Well, if he didn't get hurt, I probably would have said Hendon Hooker, but I think it's going to be Caleb Williams because that'll be a nice consolation prize for him because he's not going to win the national championship. Oh, yeah. Not with that defense. No way. No, Georgia is going to stomp them. It's going to be a bloodbath. I can see it looking like the LSU-Oklahoma game, like a 55-24 or something like that. And and then when we get a rematch with Michigan, you'll see two (laughs) touchdown passes from running backs this time. Running back touchdown passes. Oh, God. Kenny McIntosh does it twice or two different ones? I think McIntosh is gone, isn't he? Oh, he's done? Did he get hurt? Wait, Wait, it no, was, he's still um, there. I, I, I definitely watched wait, it this season. The other one that I've been playing, I've been playing some other dude. It was, um, shit. I'm drawing a blank on his name. Uh, shit. I don't. But they got, they got a, a pretty good dude. By the way, sneakily, Milton is the other one. University. Milton they're is the other one. University. Kendall Milton, Jeff, is that the other one? No, there's a third one that plays. All right, there's they, a Branson like Robinson, Savon Clark, and there's, there's a couple of names I don't even know. I don't know if any of those are them, but yeah, McIntosh has been the main one this year for them. But they they're sneakily running back university. Yes, they've been the the last decade or so at least. And, and Lincoln I mean, probably before that. Can, yeah, Gurley. How many Chubb, great running yeah. backs come off that team? I will say this: I, I give a lot of credit to Lincoln Riley for for a guy that jumped ship, went from Oklahoma to USC, and and taking his team really in in, in less than a year to a, a you know a football playoff. It's it's a fantastic story. It really I mean, it's is. not. They didn't play anybody. Yeah, that doesn't matter. They, they, listen, if they get somehow into the national – I'm not saying they will, but if they, they, they will. if they get to the national championship, that, that's pretty amazing. They won't. They won't. They'll be the fourth seed and they'll play Georgia. Are you predicting a USC win over Georgia? I didn't say that. I'm saying that anything could happen. That's all I'm going to say. Jeff, the, it, it, the name maybe is uh, Dayun Edwards. Is that what you're thinking of? The, yeah, yeah, back? Edwards. Edwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, his stats no. are actually not far behind McIntosh's, actually. You, you, got, you, you don't understand, though, Errol. Anything can't happen in college football. The SEC always stomps out whoever they play mm. in the first round of the college football playoff. Mm. Always. Interesting. And I think you'll I definitely mean, see Alabama, like a 55-type game again. I mean, think about it. Every year for the last decade at least, there's been a SEC team in the championship game. Mm. Right? Yes. I mean, how long does that streak go? Well, I, I believe Georgia is by far the best team in the nation. It's not even close. Of course they are. So uh, I think – and a lot of people thought this was going to be a year that Georgia is going to take a step back for a year. They have, though. They're, they're actually not very good. They almost got beat a couple of times this year. Yeah, Missouri played them close. What was it? Missouri Kentucky played them close. Brutal. Yeah, Kentucky played them close in the first half a couple of weeks ago, too. South Carolina almost got them for a little while there. That's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, everybody knows what so I feel about they're a league. He's played Georgia well team. the last four weeks. Please though. don't don't get me started with that kid. But this is a very weak Georgia team. Very weak, even though they have the best player in the country. Speedy, where where does Spencer Radliff get uh, gets drafted? In the first, second, third round? Uh, I think he's a third-round pick. Yeah, I'm saying third. I'll I think he's third. a third-round pick. Yeah, it's I, tough to say because uh, this draft class, 
very unimpressive. It is. But that's what we said. A lot of people said last year and how good this class was going to be. And this this past class, there's a lot of great players in the well, NFL. I think the, a lot. I think the problem is everyone thought that these quarterbacks were going to take a step forward like quarterback classes normally do. And that kind of hasn't happened this year. Mm, yeah. For a variety of reasons. I mean, look, Will Levis was playing great, and then he, like, broke his thumb and then couldn't throw the football. I mean, yeah. that kind of affects your performance. Uh, Josh and I, we actually – Josh did the weekend crunch our FSO I think Levis is Errol. the best quarterback in this class. And we were actually saying at the time Levis was the Heisman guy at the time, and since then he hasn't played great. It was like about well, a month ago. Well, he broke his thumb, dude. Yeah. Right. No, I know that. I, broke... no, I understand. Hmm. I mean, if, if you can project who's playing the best at quarterback right now – Hard to go against uh, – that would be in the draft, by the way. Not like all of college football, but would be in the draft. Kind of hard to argue against DTR. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've, I've actually been very impressed with him. I never thought I would be because I didn't think he was that good the last two years before that. He's He's been really, really good this year. He's really impressed me, absolutely. And he's, and he's the kind of quarterback that the new NFL likes because mm-hmm. he can move, he can throw, like that kind of thing. But – UCLA doesn't produce good quarterbacks. It's like Ohio State or Alabama. <laughs> the last yeah. uh, – who's the last uh, quarterback to come out from UCLA? Was it Aaron Rodgers? Josh Rosen. What's it? Brett, Josh Rosen. Brett Hundley was one. Josh Rosen. Then, yeah. Aaron Rodgers came from UCLA. No, right? he was Cal. Cal, Cal. That's right. That's right. That's right. Cal quarterbacks have quietly been pretty good. Jared Goff, right? He came from Cal? Yeah. Yep. Right? Yeah. Davis, um, Davis Webb, yeah, Giants. Davis Webb. Mm-hmm. I actually liked you know? him too out of that draft, so mm-hmm. but they didn't really give him much of a chance. Yeah, but that's what happens when you get that guy, though, right? That, like, that no, I know he like, was a, he was a fourth round pick. He wasn't he wasn't gonna have major expectations, but right. But that guy's like Kellen Mond, right? Where Kellen yeah. Mond was like like he's like a he's a he's a project and he's snug, not, of course. And I, I'll say this: snug, snug, saying Spencer Rattler to the Jets. If if somehow <laughs> oh, don't give the him Jets nightmares. draft Spencer. Rattler, I will absolutely choke Joe Douglas. Okay. Okay. Look, look. Here, here's here's the problem that you're facing right now. Mm-hmm. Your your hate of Spencer Rattler has, is well documented. Okay. It, uh, it at times very well deserved. You can't hate on Spencer Rattler right now. He just body bagged Tennessee, and then also just who do who Clemson? Do they, they just they just beat, they, they came just back down ten against Clemson. Clemson. Yeah. So you know, look. Do you like him? No, that's fine. Is he playing great right now? He is playing Dude. good. I just don't want him to see him on the Jets. <laughs> I don't want to see him there. Now the nation I, got to see how bad it is. I have to root on Spencer Rattler. You know, Could you imagine that? He becomes my starting quarterback, and he becomes a star for my team. And I have to root him on, and I can't stand his personality. I don't like him. You know, it's just... I, and honestly, I'm starting to I'm starting to to not like Zach Wilson for his answers. Every single thing that he is saying, it's really written from the publicist. He's not even writing it. He's not even saying it from the goodness of his heart. Somebody's writing it, and he's 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 speaking it. You know, I mean, you've been you've been riding too hard for Zach Wilson because you wanted him to succeed, but I he's, did. He's really not very good. He's really not very good. He hasn't looked good. That's for sure. I, I mean. I think putting Mike White in and watching, listen, no knock on Mike White. He's probably not really a starter in the NFL. He's no. like Taylor Heineke. I, mean, yeah. I think the Heineke comparison is a decent one. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. So if Mike White is showing up the third overall pick, he's probably not going to be a good player, right? Second overall pick. Or yeah, second. Sorry. Yeah. 
Right, but if you're showing up that guy, it's probably not going to work out, right? As of right now, it doesn't look it. But, again, Josh Allen in his second year did not look good either, and he spoke about that on a, on a podcast. He said, go look at my numbers and go match my numbers to Zach Wilson's numbers in the first nine weeks of uh, of my second year. He says they're almost identical. So you can't really you can't really predict – what the kid is going to be until the third year. He says, look at my third year's no- numbers. They're fantastic. He says, Wait, but, the, <laughs> but the problem with this is, and I've said this many times again, it's situation where you get drafted and you're not going to like this either. And I'm sure I'm going to hear about it, but being the second pick and having expectations in New York probably didn't help. I'm sure that if you took Spencer Rattler in the third or fourth round and he came in and there's no expectations because he's a fourth round pick and who really cares? It was a fourth round pick. Maybe he'd be in a more comfortable position where there'd be less pressure on him. And you might be right. But again, this is a guy that was very confident about who he was as a player, as a person, and thought he would fit very, very well in New York. He, he was buddy-buddy with Elijah Moore the first year, and then who, all of a sudden— who, Who's going to say the opposite, though, Errol? You're taking those statements like they're gospel. Who is going to be the second pick and come in and be like, I don't know, I'm kind of scared shitless, and this probably won't work out, but welcome to New York. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I would have just kept— say that they have I would have just— I would have just kept my mouth closed. I, I, I mean, my, even Mike White, when they were asking him questions, he answered it very quickly. He didn't, he didn't go too deep into it. He says, listen, it was all about the team. It wasn't about him. It was all about the team. But, but show me the guy that gets picked top five and is like, wow, that was a reach. I kind of suck. Don't blame me. I'm not the one that picked me. Josh Allen. Like, who's going to? Josh who's Allen. Gonna they all, Josh Allen you know, the last couple of weeks. Uh, every time uh, they would lose a game, he says, it, it's – it's pretty bad when when your 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 quarterback's playing like crap. He pretty much saying that. Right, but he, he threw himself under the bus. Right, but that's different. I'm talking about you're talking about Zach Wilson's statements when he came into the league. Who is getting drafted that's saying, "Well, I plan on sucking, so good luck with"? No, me. I'm not saying that, but maybe just keep your mouth shut and just play the game. Let your but you're game. Not a, but you're not allowed to in New York. There's too many, the press is too much of like a hound. Hold on, hold on one second. Sam Donald was one of the quietest people when he came to the league. Quietest. He would he wouldn't even, even want to speak to the press. No, shit. no, he wasn't. The only oh, no, thing he said, oh, oh, that was the very only, that was the, o- that was the only thing he said, but when By he opened it, did you know this was our 10 year anniversary, Errol? Uh, uh, last, uh, yes. uh, last Monday, I think yes. our 10 year anniversary, you and I, yes, mm-hmm. it was the 10th year anniversary of the butt fumble. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for calling. It was a lovely moment. I, I enjoyed it. Thank I celebrated. You. I Thank had you, a nice Jeff. bottle of wine. Thank you, Jeff. And some cheese. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for calling. <laughs> Jeff from Tampa, fantastic, uh, and then we we gave him his time. We always do, and he, he we really went from depth to depth of college football to for for the NFL. I, I Jeff is knowledgeable when it comes to football. As long as he keeps it straight, it doesn't go out of whack, and he starts doing his stupid things. Uh, when when Jeff really just gets into depth when when it comes to speaking about sports, he's very knowledgeable. He knows his stuff. He really and, does. And Jeff and I were both bashing the this college football playoff committee about a month ago for putting Clemson in the top four. Since then, they've had a massive fall from grace. Uh, the Yankees offer Aaron Judge an eight-year, $300 million contract. I'm going to say this. If Aaron Judge has not taken this contract and signed it, there's a problem. 
Okay, the Yankees finally, nobody, including yours truly, thought that the Yankees were going to give him an eight year, $300 million, over $300 million. I'm hearing it's close to 330. Right. Okay. They offered him that, but he hasn't signed that contract. He hasn't taken that contract, which means to me that San Francisco is going to offer him more or somebody else he's interested in, he hasn't interviewed with. Which tells me, and it's really telling, he doesn't want to be a Yankee. That, that's, what it, that's what it's telling me right now. Now, I know he's sitting back and he has time to make a decision. He has to talk to his family, has to talk to his wife, and decide what fits best for him. It's the New York friggin' Yankees, okay? And if he doesn't want to play there, and he is, he's, not ta- he's not taking a $300 million contract, which would make him the third player on this team making over $300 million, well... John Carlos Stanton's not making three hundred anymore, but he had a three hundred million dollar contract, not from the Yankees, from Miami, but he's making a, a significant amount. And his last couple of years, he's making thirty something million a year. And then you have Garrett Cole making thirty eight. Now this guy, Judge, would be making around forty five, forty six million a year. I mean, you're you're talking about the highest cap in baseball if they add Aaron Judge to it. So, and it, does this make them a championship competitive team? Honestly, I I love Aaron Judge. I think he's a great player, one of the best players in the league. This would put them in in really cap hell. It it would put how and I hear the Yankees should still go after a pitcher. They're still interested in adding a big time pitcher. Why would they do that? Now, Aaron Judge is a great player. He's fantastic. He's a great player. But to pay a guy that only two years, two out of the five years he's been in the major leagues, he's been healthy for a full, almost a full year. The other three, his rookie season, his rookie season he played most of the year. Right. He, he Not his rookie year. His, his rookie year he came like halfway into the season, so it wasn't really counted as Yeah, rookie. I think he had took the first month off with arbitration right. rules. Yeah, Right, so his, his second year is his rookie year, and he played a lot. He did. He played, I guess, three out of the five years he was healthy. So two out of the five years, he wasn't 100% healthy. He played very little games. And, and to go into the meat of his career, and what I mean by that, from the age of 30 to 35, he's going to be 31 in the beginning of this year, starting in the, the beginning of the season. Are you going to trust that this guy, out of the eight years that he is going to sign, will be healthy five out of the eight years? That's, that's the question. Now, if he's healthy for five out of the eight years... I give him the contract because the three years are quality, quality years. You know, the tour around like Derek Jeter, even though Derek Jeter had a longer career, he was the he was the best player for the Yankees until A. Rod came to the team. So, uh, again, I, I'm sitting here again and, and I'm wondering, is this a good move for the Yankees? Is this a, a, um, a quality move? I know the fans love it. I know the fans want the fan fans. The fans want Aaron Judge to come back. They want him to play. But is it a safe move for the Yankees? Is this going to make them a championship team? And the answer is no. Here's the thing you got to look at with the Yankees because the eight years I wouldn't be worried about because of the five. You, you're right. If you get five years that are healthy, you could play the last three years as a DH or a first baseman or something like that. I wouldn't worry. You about could that. trade him too. Yeah, you could trade him. Yeah, there's a lot of options, and Brian Cashman will definitely do that kind of thing because he doesn't want to give out those long deals anyway. Now, again, this would probably be the pinnacle offer when it comes to starting a bidding war for the Yankees to stay in the bidding war too. And you're right. I, I still think San Francisco's got a bigger offer. I wouldn't be surprised on the Dodgers if they don't keep. Trading 
Trey Dodgers, Turner. No, the Dodgers are not. If they don't keep Trey Turner, because if they're, they're going to either want to make the Giants overpay or they're going to want to steal him from the Giants, which would be a very Dodgers thing to do. Now, the Yankees, again, eight years, 330. I don't see it going like that much higher than that just because of, like you were saying, his injury history, too, and what the type of player with his body type he could be. Now, the Yankees, here's a good thing why they could do it, is they've done a good job at finding gems at other positions, too. Now, how many big names will they be able to get? Probably no more. The only reason why they're going to offer this to Aaron Judge is they probably think that their farm system has quality players in it. Dominguez and Volpe, they think that these guys are going to be major league ready for the next in the next two years. And if that's the case, then you can move Dominguez to center field or right field and then move Aaron Judge as your automatic DH when John Carlos Stanton comes off the books. That's the way the Yankees are looking at it. John Carlos still has four, what three years left on that contract, right. which is a significant amount. Now John Carlo, I think, is thirty three years old. He, you know, by the time that contract is up, he'll be thirty seven. He his career will probably be, you know, down, you know, down the tubes. Okay, I, I think he has maybe one more good, healthy year where he's going to play one hundred and ten, one hundred and twenty games. It worries me as a Yankee fan when you have these two big guys and your body starts to break down as you get older. You're you're dragging a lot of weight, a lot of muscle, and being that they're so big. Aaron Judge is 280 pounds. He's six foot eight, and he's built like an ox. And you're you're this guy is a five tool player. He can run. He can steal. He can play multiple positions in the outfield. Uh, he hits for power. Hits for average. It would worry me if I was a Yankee. Uh, I was the Yankee owner. I was the GM of this organization, and wonder. Listen. Do we trust that this guy is going to stay healthy for five out of the eight years? And if he is, is it going to be five years where we're going to be contenders for a championship? And honestly, if they bring up back Aaron Judge and they bring back a relief pitcher and another, I guess, a starter, an okay starter, are they a championship competitive team? The answer is no. Now, they can add pieces here and there, players that, you know, maybe like a Chris Drury or something, a Brandon Brand Drury, Drury yep. a Brandon Drury who who played for the Yankees a couple of years ago. They decided to part ways. He had a pretty good season last year. Uh, he was traded around. I think he was a Cardinal. Uh, he was a Blue Jay. He was a Met for a while. He was a well, Diamondback. Yeah. Where did he get traded to last year? Uh, at the trade deadline. San Diego. The, San Diego. I'm sorry. So he's on, on the San Diego Padres. Now, he he could be available. Maybe the Yankees bring him in. You could put him in the infield at multiple positions, and maybe he he could be a bat that the Yankees could use where you, you don't have to overpay for. But again, the Yankees they find those gems, and then they bring it back. They bring back these players, and they overpay these players that are not the same players. Is Aaron Judge going to hit sixty two home runs next year? No. Is Aaron Judge going to hit fifty home runs next year? Probably not. So you're paying a guy forty six, forty seven million dollars a year where he's not going to give you the productivity that he gave you the year before. And that's what would worry me as a Yankee fan, because he practically put the Yankees on his shoulder last year with 62 home runs and, and, 100 and what, 130 RBIs right. and, and batting 310. Is he going to do the same? Is he going to put up the same numbers? Nobody puts up those kind of numbers back-to-back years. Not even Mike Trout put those numbers back, you know, up, up back-to-back years. So it, it, it's not... It's not likely that's going to happen, and that would worry me if you're a Yankee fan. As good as Aaron Judge is and how, how friendly he is and how popular he is, I would absolutely look elsewhere for a player of that magnitude. Maybe just letting him go, bringing in, you know, bringing in a player here and there to fill in those spots. You still have a quality team. You still have a playoff contending team. Wait until the offseason next year where then you open up the pockets. If you're willing to pay him 340 
you might as well pay an extra $100 million and give it to Soto, who's going to, what, next year he'll be 26, 27. Yeah. And I, he's, he's more likely a player that you can give a nine, 10 year deal to and pay him 46 to 50 million a year. I would give him that kind of money because, for one thing, he stays healthy. Two, he's younger. And three, he can play multiple positions in the outfield as well. The other thing the Yankees have to look at, too, is the combined value that they're going to be getting from the prospects, too. Because we've seen some Yankee prospects take a while to develop, and they get going, and they get they get good. We've also seen cases like Miguel Andujar, where he was rookie of the year candidate, and then he had injury issues after that, too. So if they can get that kind of combined value, that, that gives them leeway also to trade other players, too. Maybe DJ LeMayu, maybe Glaber Torres. I know you mentioned Glaber Torres. You think he'll be traded this offseason. I think he should be. Yeah. So, like, there's options where they could do that kind of thing, especially with all many, the infielders. They have too many infielders right. in their farm system. Correct. They have how many shortstops? They, 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 Three uh, first-round picks in the last four years. And they brought in the, the Dominican kid right. who was a top, you know— prospect from uh, the Dominican Republic who's like yeah, 17 years draft. old. Yeah. He's an international player that everybody thinks is going to be a star in this league. They have so many shortstops. They have Pereza, who they can move to second base, who has to learn how to hit in the majors. And Volpe, who's he's a five- He's a five-tool player, which they believe is going to be the starting shortstop in the future. So and he might be called up sometime this year. So it doesn't make any sense why they would keep you know somebody like Torres, where you're going to have to pay him $150, $160 million. I would trade him and get as much back as I possibly can. And Cabrera, who I think really showed everybody that he could play multiple positions in the infield and the outfield, you can move him all over the field. Maybe trading... Um, um, what's his Hicks. name? Hicks yeah. in the offseason. Moving on from him, he's he's an affordable contract for a team's looking for an outfielder that can catch and throw and maybe hit, you know, obviously he's a righty and lefty. He's a, he, he, that type of player, it, it, that contract is absolutely a good contract for a lot of different teams. I, I think he's got five years left on the contract, but he's only making $10 million a year. And then you move Cabrera to the left field, left, left field or something like that, or right field if you lose Aaron Judge. They, they have so many possibilities. And they have Dominguez, who could be called up this year, too. Right. could play multiple positions. And he's a righty and a lefty with power. So, it just it doesn't make any sense why the Yankees would bring Aaron Judge back and pay him that kind of money, unless they really think Aaron Judge is the piece that's going to help them get over the hump and win them a, a World Series. Obviously, Aaron Judge doesn't believe that the Yankees are the team that he wants to play for, because if he did, he just signed the contract. Yeah, He's not signing it. He got that offer a week ago. I've heard that he was offered that contract by Hal Steinbrenner and the Yankees a week ago. And he sat down on Tuesday, last Tuesday, with the San Francisco Giants. So what does that tell you right now? San Francisco already said that he they're going to outmatch anybody when it comes to contracts. The Yankee, the Yankee, uh, you know, pinstripes don't mean it matter to Aaron Judge. And there were stories coming out from the the Aaron Judge and the Yankee camp that the Yankee the Yankee players were not happy that the that Aaron Judge was getting booed in Yankee Stadium when he wasn't hitting in right. the playoffs. And they also, we wonder if he's using that Yankees offer too, the eight years three thirty that broke out last week as maybe a, a leverage point for the Giants too to give him more or give him another year or something that would be that and would he's going to get it yeah. he's going to get a lot of, he is a, he's probably going to make 20 or 30 million dollars going back going back home to San Francisco than staying with the Yankees and I know the Yankees said that they're, they're not going to be outbid but you cannot pay Aaron Judge 400 million dollars right. I'm sorry I, I'm not doing that Aaron Judge has not hit in the playoffs 
He did not hit. He was one of the worst playoff hitters in baseball history in yeah. the playoffs. He was good his rookie year. He hasn't been since. He, he's been horrible. How could you pay a guy $400 million when he can't show up in the playoffs? I'm not doing that. And if I were the Yankees, I'd sit back and relax and wait until next year's offseason when Otani and, and Soto are available. That would make a lot of sense for the Yankees. They're still going to be a quality team. They're still going to be amongst the American League's best. I would say a top four team in the American League, even without Aaron Judge. So it just doesn't make any sense for the Yankees to give Aaron Judge any more than what they've offered him. I think it's a big mistake if they do. But, again, this is the Yankees you're talking about. And they don't want to be outbid. And George Steinbrenner never liked to be outbid for their own players. The whole, the whole thing with uh, Kenny Kenny Rosenthal speaking about the Mets and, and now the Jacob deGrom situation. Jacob deGrom was going nowhere. Okay? For all the fans out there that thought that Jacob deGrom was going to the Tex, Texas Rangers or he was going to go here, there was no way Steve Cohen was going to let this guy go. They're going to extend him. He is going to get a three- to four-year deal. They are going to match what Max Scherzer got. They're going to. This guy's the richest owner in baseball. He is the richest. He spent over a billion dollars in two years. Why wouldn't he be? Why wouldn't he pay Jacob Degrom the forty three, forty four million dollars that obviously Max Scherzer got? Max Scherzer, he wasn't one hundred percent healthy this year, and when he did play, he was a dominant force. When Jacob Degrom was playing this year, and he was he was healthy or somewhat healthy, he was a dominant force. Why wouldn't you pay? You can't find these guys. These guys don't grow on trees. They don't. And I know everybody wants that Rendon guy or Rodon, yeah. Rodon or whatever his name is. Uh, and he's a great lefty and the Mets need a lefty. Why can't they bring both of them in? Why couldn't they pay Jacob DeGrom and bring Rondon in? Because they're going to have to throw gems at the rest of the pitching staff. Who cares? Know. You bring him in. You have Max Scherzer. You have Rondon. And you have Jacob DeGrom. Who's better than that pitching staff? Well, yeah. When healthy, they're phenomenal. They're Bassett's gone. They're not bringing yeah, him gone. back. He's gone. So why not bring them both in? And, and pay those guys. Do you think that Steve Cohen cares? This roster, this this lineup can hit. This roster can absolutely hit. They weren't healthy at the end of the season. Maybe they make a move here and there uh, to their, you know, to the outfield. They decide maybe they want to bring Michael Conforto back and take uh, Conforto back and take a take a glim on him. They're probably going to lose Nimmo. He's probably going to yeah. go to San Francisco. Whatever. It's not a big loss. He doesn't hit for power. I, I mean, he's a great defensive player, but you could find somebody else. And and again, they could the, put Marte in center too if they want. Marte so, could yeah. go to center, and they they could bring somebody else in to play the outfield. And then when Soto becomes available the year after, they can add Soto to that roster. I mean, listen, Steve Cohen doesn't care about the money. He doesn't care about the money. He said he'll do anything to win a championship. He already said, what did he give? The Mets three years to win a championship? He said five years when he signed there in 2020. All right, so he's two years in. Yep. So what does that mean? He's got three years. So if they don't win this year, you know damn well, even with the money they spent this year on DeGrom and Rondon, uh, Rodon, they could still, they could say, you know what? We're in my fourth year. I I, I said we were going to win five years. Give me Soto. Give me Otani. Give me whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever it takes. 
and he's probably going to do that. Well, they better hope if they have a, they're going to have a development approach for everyone else because because they're not going to be able to spend much more because they're already really on the brink of the cap as it is. So DeGrom, who's going to get close to Scherzer money, Rodon, who's probably going to get something in the 30s. They're getting so both of them. If, I'm predicting they're getting both of them. If, if that ends up happening, they're going to have to really do a good job with the development of or the dart throwing of the bullpen because they're gonna, they paid a lot of money for the bullpen well, before yeah, but, that. But the bullpen, they could add a piece here and there, yeah. pay a million dollars here, $2 million here. I, I The Mets will add still other pieces, but they're not going to be huge. They're not going to yeah. add like a, a, a complete cl- – they already paid no, their closer. they can't do that. They already paid yeah. their closer, Diaz, $100 million. So he, he's their closer. They can add a little piece here and there to kind of fill in the blanks. They have some pitchers in their, their farm system that they believe are going to be, you know, middle of the rotation type of pitchers. I don't think the Mets need to go out there and spend it. They go after the pitchers that are available. Rodon and, and DeGrom to, to Max Scherzer? Are you kidding me? I mean, this is the best pitching staff in baseball. It's not even close. You add the left-handed pitcher that you've been dreading to need for, for years. Badly. And you put him in the middle of DeGrom and, and Scherzer? Forget it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're talking about guaranteed three out of the five we, five games – that they're on the mound to probably have a chance to win. Yep. The other two out of the three. If they win two out of five games every single week, they're going to have over 100 wins. The other thing the Mets are going to have to do if they do take this kind of approach, too, is they're going to have to manage those injuries better, too, because Max Scherzer had two different injuries since last year, as it was. Jacob deGrom had injuries since the back-to-back years that were very puzzling at the point of the season when it happened. He came back last year, pitched very well for that first month and a half, had the struggle down the stretch okay, but still pitched dominantly most of the season. And they're going to they have to be able to trust a little more stability out of it too to be able to win in the postseason too because if they wear him out too much like Max Scherzer hap- will happen to Max Scherzer in 2021 then there's going to be an issue where you have fatigue towards the end of it too so the Mets are going to have to do that Rodon they're going to have to manage too who's been healthy the last two years but previously injury prone too and then they're going to have to really hope that they can find either somebody in their farm system or some dart throws at $6 million relievers to be able to make that bullpen work because they're not going to try the double-digit relievers again because they already paid $10 million to Batances. That didn't work. Trevor May, that didn't work. Like They already tried these other relief pitchers. And Familia, they paid at the time, that didn't work. So they're not going to do that kind of thing again. When we come back tomorrow, we'll get into our NFL Week 12 recap. We didn't get a chance to get into that. So early tomorrow, we'll get into our recap. Then we'll obviously reach out to Derek, see if Derek wants to come on and do his picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll make our picks, as we always do. I didn't pick. I didn't do my picks this week. I didn't yeah, give it to you. Okay. I could give it to you anyways. I had them written down. I actually uh, – we, 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 we were talking about the Buccaneers-Browns yeah. game. I actually got that upset right, and I got the score pick right. So 23-17. I didn't say overtime, but I, I, I got I had that. the Buccaneers winning. You had the Buccaneers game. in that game? Yeah. Okay. I think you did better with the weekend crunch ones because I was wrong on Atlanta. So. Yeah. So uh, we will. Uh, I will give you my pick so we can kind of grade them because I know Derek wants to know where we are since he started. So okay. uh, I'm intrigued as well. Um, I'd like to thank, obviously, Rick and Laura Franchella for joining us. We'll be there at their event at SUNY Purchase. Go check them out online. You can buy tickets still to go to their event. It's a fantastic uh, event where there's going to be food and entertainment. It's going to be great. Uh, thank you to USA Today College Football and Basketball National Columnist Dan Wolken for joining us as well. Uh, Jeff, um, obviously our friend uh, from White Plains, Kenny, for joining us uh, as uh, he is 
made a bet with us, and he if he loses the bet, and if the Jets have a better record than the Giants, he has to wear a goose outfit. Which is very possible because the Giants have a very hard schedule to finish the season. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, thank you to all the fans that listen to us throughout the country. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll be back tomorrow at 9 p.m. Great show lined up for you guys, and stay tuned. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.